Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Vladimir Putin was on stage left in Helsinki alongside the President of the United States, who had nothing but warm words for the time that they spent together. First of all, I just have to say, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm really feeling nauseous. Stunned, gobsmacked. We're hearing words like, I feel sick, uh, this is frightening, calling it an abomination. Shocking. Stunning. Genuinely stunning. What is going on? Unbelievable. Astonishing. Just astonishing. It is astonishing, it's heartbreaking, and it represents, I think, a pivotal turn uh, in our nation's history. It's time for Americans to be out on the streets. There are people protesting in the streets every day in the 70s. Why is that not happening now? When do we see almost a shadow government come out and say, we cannot side with the government? As an American citizen, I, I, I just personally think today is just an, an incredibly depressing yeah. uh, moment in, in our time, in our history as an American. Was this a new low? Jim Shooter, Josh Campbell, appreciate you both being with us on what has been uh, really a difficult day uh, for, uh, for, uh, for this country uh, and, and, frankly, for much of, of the, the free world ahead. He didn't even meet his own low bar for not screwing this up. I mean, it is an absolute disgrace. It's a parody of a disgrace. This entire week of President Trump abroad has made Hillary Clinton seem uh, all the more prescient. All he had to do was not, you know, put on jammies and crawl under the covers with Vladimir Putin, and he couldn't do that. Uh, do White House officials realize how horrifying so many Americans are today? Mr. Putin now is the master puppeteer of Donald Trump. If Vladimir Putin picked our president, does anything else matter? He could be a strong, tough leader, the person he thinks he is, instead of quailing beside the Russian strongman. His own director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, saying this today. We have been clear in our assessments of Russian meddling in the 2016 election and their ongoing persuasive efforts to undermine our democracy. And we will continue to provide unvarnished and objective intelligence in support of our national security. Can we still call President Trump the leader of the free world? Can we still call him the leader of the United States? He has gone from snarling alpha dog in Brussels, blasting our allies, to Putin's lapdog in Helsinki. Just take a look at the front page. This is the New York Daily News. That's tomorrow. Accusing the president of showing him and showing him shooting Uncle Sam in the middle of Fifth Avenue. Accusing him of treason, I should say and shooting Uncle Sam in the middle of Fifth Avenue. I'd never realized that it can be anything but sunny in Helsinki at this time of year, until today. As you see behind me, there's a little bit of a gloom now. It's set in right after the world witnessed a betrayal, the likes of which we've never seen. America's president sided with its enemy today. Shock has turned to a national shunning as America finds unity in President Trump's perfidy. First up tonight, we have former U.S. Intelligence Chief Leon Panetta on what does it mean when a president betrays his own country? And what does this mean for the GOP in efforts to oppose Trump? We have a man who could try to unseat him in 2020, Ohio Governor John Kasich. Now, whatever died today, something may have been born as well. For all the emotion of the moment, the most powerful force is fact. And we're going to lay out an absolutely truthful account of a day that is unprecedented in world history. My friends, let's get after it. 
And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 22nd of July, year of our Lord, 2018. And the end of days are nigh. Helsinki will go down in the Parthenon of the media and liberals. And to this day, I've never even listened to it. And I've talked to a bunch of normal Americans. And they don't know what they're talking about. But we'll get to it. Uh, first and foremost, before I start this show... I excused a three-day delay, decided to hang with the wife, and she wanted a paint day, and I wanted a podcast day, so we did it on Sunday, and that's why this is being released. I have to give two shout-outs up front. First shout-out goes to my bro Matt in Oregon. Safe travels, my friend. Taking a long drive today, so I hope this keeps you awake while you're doing it, or this evening. And my second one is to an old Army leader that I had the honor to serve under. I'll just say, Chris and Conus, a friend of mine, uh, well, I consider him a friend, we uh, touched base this week, and it was great to talk to him. I won't say where he's at. I won't say what his rank is. I won't say anything, because he's still active, and he probably doesn't want to be associated with this podcast on any level. It, it probably wouldn't be uh, very good, but he's uh, definitely a great friend, and it was amazing to catch up. It's been about a decade since we talked. And uh, I just want to get those shout-outs up front. So let's get a few uh, things done before we head into Fire for Effect. First and foremost, Alex Moe. In other news, the Lisa Page closed-door interview is still underway before Ju- House Judiciary and Oversight Committee. She arrived at Hill just before 10 a.m. today. And then Representative John Ratcliffe reveals Lisa Page admitted her text message with Peter Zork mean exactly what they say. Contrary to Zork's testimony, and this is the second time... You've heard about it on this podcast. You don't hear about it in the media because she is telling the truth. Zork's a piece of shit. We won't have a lot of that. Uh, next one. If Brett Kavanaugh is confirmed, the world will end. That is, of course, until Putin destroys it first, or the tax cuts, or net neutrality, or whatever the latest panic-induced, fear-mongering BS claim the left is making today. This bit for three, Think Progress is exceptionally stupid. If Kavanaugh is confirmed, you can kiss the right to vote. Goodbye. That's that's where Think Progress went this week. Kiss the right to vote. I, I, I'm still a little taken back with that kind of balls. That's big balls for people to say. I mean, I, I don't think the judicial branch can stop votes. I, I'm just throwing it out there. It's pretty much not going to happen. Some of the replies, playing AT, said, playing the identity politics as usual, you need an ID card to rent a hotel room, rent a car, fly in a plane, get in a credit card, register for welfare. Of course, you show... You should show your ID to vote. Your Costco card even has your name and photo. Use that. And I think that was her thing. I think Matt, uh, I think it was Adam Carolla who said, if you can't figure out how to get identification, your vote shouldn't count anyway. And I really, really agree with that. And then I have to cover something that's never happened on the show. I've never covered one of these. Con doxing. And I, just like the other doxing, yeah, I think you're wrong. But La Schlal Markey, solid social media sleuthing by Peter J. Peter J. Hassan to unmask the guys behind Sleeping Giants, 
pressure campaign against Breibart and Laura Ingram, Ingram Advertiser. The anonymous founder of Sleeping Giants, electric group that launched successful boycott campaigns against right-wing media figures like Laura Ingram and boosted David Hogg's effort, is revealed to be a major California ad exec. In his uh, article, the group's original stated goal was to cripple Breitbart, the pro-Trump website whose former chairman, Bannon, worked in the White House. To accomplish the goal, Sleeping Giant has waged an intense campaign to pressure Breitbart advertisers into deploying their ads on the website. It worked pretty much as designed. Breitbart lost 90% of its advertiser over the span of two months. Sleeping Giants has both maintained its pressure on Breitbart's remaining advertisers and expanded its focus. Part of that expanded focus was the campaign to pressure uh, Laura Ingeman, and they helped David Hogg. So that's um, pretty interesting. You reap what you sow. ABC News, protesters dance around in Trump masks and pregnancy suits as they campaign for reproductive rights during the presidential summit with Russian President Putin and Helsinki. I... Just want to preface that because I'm going to end the show with another protest that will leave you speechless. And our usual upfront reporting, man behind assault with knife in Lubeck, bus detained, several people are injured in assault in Germany by an illegal immigrant with a knife. Mass protesters hurled feces at the new L.A. kosher coffee shop during grand opening because the owner supports Trump. And, of course, that's not a big thing to the media. But, once again, because a guy supported Trump, we're attacking his business. I want you to buckle your chin straps. If you have hearing protection, put it in. Because we're about to go on a bumpy ride of media bias. Here is Russia demonstrating that it has, if you like, an American president eating out of its hand. First of all, I just have to say I'm sick to my stomach. I'm really feeling nauseous. Um, I'm the child of Hungarian immigrants who fled to the United States to get away from authoritarianism. And what we heard the president do was essentially side with an authoritarian leader against the United States, against our national security, against our democracy. But there's even more. I mean, Donald Trump, in effect, was ready to let the chicken, the, the foxes into our chicken coop. And what do I expect Republicans to do to get back to your original question? I don't know, but I certainly hope there are mass resignations. And former Obama CIA director John Brennan, a fierce critic of Trump, tweeting the press conference was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump's comments imbecilic, he's wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? And good evening tonight from Helsinki, where today history was made. The reverberations were immediate. President Trump at his summit with Vladimir Putin, and while on the world stage with Putin standing right beside him, President Trump was asked, who do you believe more, Russia or your own U.S. intelligence officials. And it was how the president answered that question that sent shockwaves around the world, the president clearly appearing to choose Putin. The question came after their face-to-face -face meeting just days after the U.S. indicted 12 Russian intelligence officials by name for systematically targeting hundreds of Americans working with the DNC or with Hillary Clinton's campaign. The president and Putin just themselves meeting for two hours longer than expected. Only their translators were right there in the room with them. Tonight, what did they discuss and what Vladimir Putin was asked as well? Does he have compromising material on President Trump? Finally, a question about blackmail. Does the Russian government have any compromising material on President Trump or his family?
Значит, Путин brusquely waved off the question by saying only that he personally hasn't known Trump for very long. Каких-то компроматов. I heard about that we had allegedly collected compromising materials on Mr. Trump when he came to Moscow. Respected colleagues, when Mr. Trump came to Moscow, I didn't even know he was there. As for President Trump, he laughed it all off, but then ended the press conference with a tirade, denouncing the FBI agent Peter Strzok, who forcefully defended the collusion investigation before Congress last week. Um, Senator McCain saying uh, most disgraceful uh, display, essentially, by an American president on the, on the world stage. Uh, Phil, do you agree with that? I do, but I mean, I think you have to step back even a, just a short time after this and say, what next? You've seen senators come out. In the past, we've seen a senator who's... Uh, in the midst of a painful illness, Senator McCain, you've seen senators like Jeff Flake who are leaving the Senate. Now you see Marco Rubio still obviously in the fight speaking out. My question would be, when do members of the, uh, the president's inner circle start to say, look, we have an overseas dilemma where you are portraying us in terms of the American government as worse than a tyrant, that is Vladimir Putin. Secretary of the Homeland Security came out with statements this week about continued Russian interference. This was not on Obama's watch. That's this week. FBI director continues the investigation. Department of Justice continues support for the investigation. Congress continues saying that this investigation is legitimate. Curious point in American government, when do we see almost a shadow government come out and say, we cannot side with the government, whether it's the cabinet or the Senate? I think that's the big question. It's amazing that he is not he capable of pivoting. He is not capable well, of not talking about Hillary Clinton at this term in, in, in his election, on this world stage, on, in this moment. Can I just talking about electoral college votes, I mean, it's extraordinary. That's not what you would expect President Trump to say in front of Vladimir Putin, right? Susan? To say the least. We want to welcome our viewers here. Uh, around the world who are joining us, a truly, truly extraordinary moment in American history, something I thought I would never see. Uh, up first, the President of the United States delivering a stunning rebuke to his own U.S. intelligence community with the entire world watching. Truly barrage, a uh, shocking barrage of statements from the President of the United States. Uh, this is a moment in American history where the President of the United States, right here in Helsinki, and not only seems to suggest there are very fine people on both sides, he seems to really go with the, the, the leader of Russia. And beforehand, you know, he said to me, uh, we all fear that this is something like uh, Muhammad Ali going up against an amateur boxer. And in that scenario, let's just say the President of the United States was not Muhammad Ali. Yeah, we'll get a lot of reaction, I'm sure, including from Republicans, although I suspect, and I know you'll agree, a lot of Republicans are so embarrassed, they're simply going to want to stay silent right now. They're not going to rush out and make any statements. Truly, a truly amazing moment in American history unfolding as we speak. Uh, you have been watching perhaps one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president uh, at a summit in front of a Russian leader, uh, certainly that I've ever seen, uh, an extraordinary uh, press conference. Christian, the president, uh, given the opportunity, give, asked by a reporter, an American reporter, who he trusted uh, on the issue of Russian meddling, the U.S. intelligence community, or Vladimir Putin, uh, he blinked and he went to Hillary Clinton's email server, uh, asked to he who said, was holds responsible. He says, I hold both countries responsible. I think we are all to blame. We have a chance to do some great things. Made no mention of Georgia, shoot down a Malaysian plane, Crimea, Ukraine, uh, and election interference. In fact, he went on to say all he can do is ask the question about election interference, that Vladimir Putin uh, was very powerful 
in his denial of it. And the president went on to say he doesn't see any reason why it would have been Russia who interfered I, in I think the that was the nut graph. And have you ever seen anything like this? No, and it's a struggle to put it all together, isn't it? And to comprehend what we just heard. I mean, I've never heard an American president talk that way, but I think it's especially true that when he's with someone, you know, like Putin, who is a thug, a world-class thug, that he sides with him again and again against his own country's interests, his own institutions that he runs, that he's in charge of the federal government, he's in charge of these intelligence agencies, and he basically dismisses them, and he retreats into this. Yeah, you know, we've heard this again and again on the international stage to be talking about Hillary's server and what it, it's embarrassing. Brilliant campaign is embarrassing. Before we wade into this, let it be understood: Hillary and Obama reset button. There's pictures of every major Democratic leader hanging out with Putin. There's even one, as we'll remark in the back end of this section, of, you know, a major dam eating donuts. But this meeting with Putin, because of the faux outrage of the Russian meddling, has come to a head with just gnashing of teeth, dogs sleeping with cats, because the President of the United States had a meeting with Putin. Folks, yeah, they tinkered in our election. There have been 12 people charged that are all in Russia. Nothing's going to happen to them. We do the same thing. But you had over two years now. The media has tried and failed. The Democrats have tried and failed. There is no proof that Donald Trump, as heinous as he might be, had anything to do with it. He made one statement, and you've lived off that for two years of bad PR. I hope the Russians find the deleted 30,000. People that were against Hillary, like me, were going, yeah, I hope they do bring him up. Because when have you ever had a federal investigation where the witness decides what the fuck they're going to turn in? And we've done that all the way through it. Understand, this week Podesta got a plea deal. So the guy that started the hacking and all the craziness by not understanding email concepts and getting fished, there's nothing wrong with him. Same guy that was cooking the books for the fucking Democratic primary. Same guy that was linked to everything. There's emails that have surfaced of him talking with a guy about how they rigged machines. I'm able to verify. It's all over Twitter. But I think Guy Benson sums it up pretty good. POTUS routinely undermines the vital work of our intel community whose officers labor to identify and eliminate threats. Yet former IC chiefs undermine their colleagues and fuel deep state stereotypes with unhinged pronouncements about treason and unseemly Holocaust comparison. This week, it is worse than the Holocaust. That meeting, that press conference is worse than 9-11. It's worse than anything. It is like a person fucked a panda in a Walmart parking lot. It is out of control! My favorite punching bag right now from my state, Stephen Cohn, after saying that he wanted to give Zork a piece of shit who totally is a piece of shit who tried to fucking rig an election himself by his text messages, a purple heart, from our last podcast, he says, where are military folks? The commander-in-chief is in the hands of the enemy. 
I went to his Twitter feed. Oh my God, he's getting hammered. He's gonna, he's gonna lose. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I don't think he's gonna get reelected. Schooly do. I'm a veteran and I know veterans service through the Purple Heart and you, sir, do not know what it means to sacrifice your country. Either does Peter Zork. People are still bashing him. They're still bashing him over that. And everybody said, well, that's a coup. Richard Blumenthal, Senator Type 1H, compares Russian meddling to September 11th terror attack. Because that's what it is. But the media was part of it. There were plenty of hot takes following today's meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. But one that's gaining traction, it seems, is people calling Russia attempt to influence the election an act of war. Over at Politico, Mark Hurtling and Molly K. McCoo made the case and doubled down on it. Their tweet, Putin's attack on the U.S. is our Pearl Harbor. What? What? People literally tweeted stuff like this. The social media world has officially gone hysterical. These headlines are outrageous. Really? Trying to ramp up the lefties, huh? 2,403 Americans died and 1,178 were wounded at Pearl Harbor. How many people died because Hillary hacked email server? What an insult to the men who lost their lives. And yes, it was. Katie Turr was triggered by this morning's joint press conference between Trump and Putin. And she had only one question. Or does one question asked three times count as three questions? And this is what she said. What will Republicans do? What will Republicans do? What will Republicans do? What will Republicans do? That is the only question that matters. Freedom from books, zinged her back. Drink leftist tears. Drink leftist tears. Drink leftist tears. Drink leftist tears. Scott Dorkin, Dorkin, Trump and Pence should be removed from office and we should either have a new election or Hillary Clinton should take over. That's how we beat Putin. There is no other way. Impeach Trump. Sharon Kalidio, if election is declared null and void, we need need a uniter, not a divider to be present, which most likely falls to VP Biden. Paul Degana, if Hillary were president, she would throw water on the witches, Trump and Putin, and watch them melt into puddles. Oh, really? Uranium ones ring a bell? Russian reset ring a bell? Hmm. They were so bold, Scott Dworkin literally put up, who do you trust more, Zork or Trump? 65% of 30,000 votes. Remember, he's a lefty. He is far left. I don't follow him. Normal people don't follow Scott Dorkin. Yeah, they said he's full of shit. So, intertwined in this, that didn't get a lot of things, but you know I like to go out to the stuff you're not hearing, because it's more entertaining than talking about the same shit CNN's breaking news. Donald Trump ate two scoops of fucking vanilla ice cream. The DOJ has charged 29-year-old Russian national Marina Bunta with a conspiracy to act as an agent of the Russian Federation within the United States, according to the FBI. NBC News. Just in, Russian national Maria Butina charged a conspiracy. This is their next tweet. Gun-loving formal aide to a top Russian official has been arrested in charge of being a foreign agent. Somebody asked, what the fuck does gun-loving have to do it? It's intersectionality, my friends. If she was... Cis-normative, they'd probably say, cis-normative, gun-loving, believing-in-God, piece-of-shit, Russian. 
because once again, they're you know we're all on the same plane. I, I could be a Russian agent or I could be a Christian white dude in the in the red states. I'm as evil on the far far left. That's that's just where we're at. We're just pieces of shit. But what was the funny thing is blue checks literally thought they saw her everywhere. It turned into a weird, where fuck is Waldo experiment with these fucking moon bats. She was everywhere around Trump because they wanted to break the case. We got him. And here it goes. Mix, Emily Singer, had the misfortune of adding, I thought this was a Photoshop, but it's not, to her erroneous tweet, okay, all, this may be Larry Lucan from the NSC. I may delete this tweet because she tweeted a picture. I This was Maria Butin, Butina, in the White House talking to Trump. She wasn't the only one. In the Oval Office doorway, that's Maria Butina, now arrested for being a Russian spy. This photo of real Donald Trump and Kremlin officials led by Foreign Minister Larov was taken as May 2017 by a Russian photographer because Americans were banned. And that came from West Wing reports. Oh my God. Another one, accused Russian agent Maria Butina appears to have attended real Donald Trump's Oval Office. It's not. It's a girl from the NSA, for fuck's sake. But they were that ramped up. They're everywhere. James Comey came out from underneath this rock. Having sold out our nation on an international stage, Mr. Trump will now explain it to all to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. I'm guessing RT and Sputnik were unavailable. He owes it to our nation to sit down with the serious journalist. The entire per- fucking world tweeted this fucking dork a picture of Obama between two firms. I just wanted to sit out there, Obama between two ferns. And once again, him and then Brennan, Donald Trump press conference performance in Helsinki, rises and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. It was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump comments imbecilic, his, he is wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? I once again say, and it's funny going back to Chris and Conus, This is one of the conversations we talked about. How politicized everything is. Military officers are politicized. NSA officers are politicized. FBI, CIA. When the fuck do we stop being straight up? As I've screamed on the show forever, I thought Clinton getting a Hummer and using cigars as dildos was pretty fucked up because at the same time I was a drill sergeant and buddies who broke the law and did the wrong thing got hummers from fucking privates. They lost their whole fucking career and Slick Willie could argue the word it. But I couldn't say a word. And I didn't. I was apolitical. My sole purpose was to serve if it was the Socialist Democratic Party and they were the President of the United States, that was the party in the White House, I would be handing out free bread. Because that was my fucking job. I was a soldier. I had political thoughts, but I stayed away from it because it really wasn't my job. And at the core, sure, at the end of the career, anybody who served with me the last couple of years out of the NTC, I was pretty political. But it was with senior people. There were no soldiers. When we were fucking off, I talked about politics. And I had an opinion but we've, in my lifetime, I've watched Paul Reichek from IAVA in uniform politic for John Kerry and nobody said a word because he was a lefty. 
And now we have Brennan, Comey, Generals. They work for MSDNC. What the fuck, Chuck? Chuck Todd came out and did his Chucky fucking impersonation. Will serious congressional Republicans still truly sit back and say nothing following this POTUS performance on the world stage, uttering what he said while standing and uplifting one of the great adversaries of freedom and democracy? Somebody said this. Didn't you laugh when Hillary basically said that all this was happening? I love how the most of the meet the press keeps trotting out the Twitter persona of confused doe walking from a two-year nap. And they accused him of being a righty. Jim Acosta, after that performance of Putin, now Trump sits down with Fox News before flying home. The very end, I attempted to ask Trump if he told Putin to stay out of U.S. elections, as he said he would lastly. No response. Everybody said, Dear Diary, for those that have followed the show. It was a Dear Diary moment. Dear Diary me. I wrote something. Then the New York Times opinion, literally, in this episode of Trump Bites... Donald Trump's not-so-secret admiration for Vladimir Putin plays out in a teenager's bedroom where the fantasies of his forbidden romance come to life, showing Trump and Putin hugging each other in diapers or underwear. It's hard to tell in the picture. And conservatives rightly said, homophobic much? Could you do that? Could you do that? The article I got it from said, my favorite part was a casual gay slur implied by the cartoon for being the self-proclaimed champions of LGBTQ EIEIO cosign of four. The left sure likes its gay jokes as insults. And it's true. But we're forgetting what 2012 was, folks. We're about to hear it and get back in love with it. Because this shit is just comedic. But Jim Scudo brings up a really important thing. Four years ago tomorrow, Russian-backed fighters fired a Russian-supplied missile to shoot down a commercial airliner over Ukraine, killing all 298 on board with another crime not mentioned by Trump today. Hashtag MHH17. Of course, he's from CNN. My question, as with all of this, from the hacking. Who the fuck was president when all this went down? Who? Who let Russia annex a country? Who let Russia shoot down a plane? Who let Russia do whatever the fuck they wanted to do? Who let Russia fuck up the red line and let Syria use chemical weapons? And who the fuck let Russia supposedly Hack my brain housing group and make me vote for fucking Donald Trump. Who did it? Who was the president? Barack Hussein Obama was the president, you fucktards. Listen, chowderheads. This, this shit is a comedic because here's 2012. Up next, Mitt Romney hoped to exploit President Obama's open mic moment the other day with the president of Russia. But once again, Mitt stepped in it, calling Russia our number one geopolitical enemy. What's this, the evil empire again? Is Romney running for president in 2012 or 1952? 
It was a moment Mitt Romney probably thought he could use to his advantage. The president caught on an open mic telling Russian President Dmitry Medvedev to give him space on missile defense. But once again, Romney stepped on his own message. Cynthia Tucker is a Pulitzer Prize winning columnist and professor at the University of Georgia. And Sam Stein covers politics for the Huffington Post. Here it is. Here's Romney yesterday on CNN trying to capitalize on the president's remarks. Let's watch. If he's planning on doing more and suggest to Russia... That, that he has things he's willing to do with them, he's not willing to tell the American people. This is to Russia. That This is, without question, our number one geopolitical foe. They, they fight every uh, a cause for the world's worst actors. Uh, Cynthia, I don't know what decade this guy's living. It sounds like in the midnight 72, 52 even. It's not Stalin over there. It's not Khrushchev. It's not Brezhnev. It's not the it's Cuban Medvedev. Missile Crisis. Medvedev no. chatting with him as, a, as another country <laughs> in the world that's no longer the Soviet Union. Is he trying to play Ronald Reagan here or what? What's he up to? Uh, but it didn't work. It made Romney look dumb. He's not a dumb man, but he said something that was clearly dumb. Well, that's argumentative on your part, Cynthia. He's not dumb because I tell you, <laughs> Sam, I tell you, I, I don't know Medvedev. We've got mixed views of these guys, but he seems so sophisticated and witty about his response. I mean, he just said, this is an ideological cliche from decades ago. This isn't, as he put it, it's not the mid-1970s anymore. This is the 21st century, Mr. Romney. The fact that he declared Russia the preeminent geopolitical problem that the United States faces in the world is an antiquated worldview, but it's not something that's been hidden from Romney's uh, policy platform. He's, he's, he's articulated stuff like this in the past. Uh, the problem that he confronts is that it's a much more complicated situation than it ever has been, that Russia is a much different country than sure. it's been in many decades. God, it sounds like and that Patrick, the old neo yeah, talking. 2012 is calling your foreign policy, Democrats. And you know the reason why I bring it up. Yeah, Russia fucked around the election. We fuck around in people's elections. But if a conservative president said that shit, and we're here today, do you not believe the media would call them out on the hypocrisy of it all? Obama said they were our ally. They're our butt buddies. Russia is an important player in the world. What are you talking about, Mitt Romney, you moron? All the media parroted it. It was unbelievable. And, and once again, it, the other part that I'm not even hitting today, but is true to form with our media, is under Barack Hussein Obama, if he was overseas and you dare, dare criticize a fucking punctuation in his comments, you're a fucking un-American traitorous piece of shit. Because politics end on the shore, whatever that fucking saying is. We're not supposed to criticize a commander-in-chief when he's abroad. All they've done is do that. And as we did in the last podcast, I brought you back Mitt Romney's shit. They fucking dogged the fuck out of Mitt Romney when he was abroad. When he was running for president, but people did the same thing about Obama, and all you heard from the media was that's just so unprofessional. That's lacking decorum. So let's talk about the douchebag that let all this shit happen, Obama, the Hill. Obama didn't do more to publicly condemn Russia because he didn't want to look political. That's the Hill spinning what they know normal people are probably thinking. Normal middle of the road people are going, oh, wait a minute. If this Russian hacking was so fucking vile, 
Why didn't the President of the United States do something about it? Because Trump clearly was the President of the United States. I talked to an old dude this week. He even said, it's been two fucking years. They haven't proved shit. In the beginning, he says, I believed Trump had something to do with it because I just didn't vote. But now it just seems like it's a bunch of bullshit. His words, not mine. His words. Next little tidbit I get. It's good to see traditional media keep on keeping on when it comes to making fools of themselves, reporting news here in America and abroad. It would honestly be more newsworthy for us at this point if they weren't spectacularly tripping over their own feet trying to drag Trump down. Trump is opening remark to Finnish President Helsinki. Thanks him for his support and says NATO has never been stronger. Finland isn't in NATO. No, but they were at the meeting, douche nozzle. Another reporter. Trump told the Finnish president just now he enjoyed spending time with him in NATO summit. Finland's not part of NATO. Another one. Blah, blah, blah. Finland's not NATO. Julie Davis, Trump finished blah, blah, blah. Finland's not NATO. Jeremy Stephen Dunleavy brings us that montage of fucking moronic dumbass. Check out these blue check journos. Henry jo- Henry J. Foy of the Financial Times, Josh Rogan of Democracy Dies in the Dark, or what I like to say, Truth Dies in the Dark, Washington Post, Julie Davis of the New York Times, we covered big time during the Hillary campaign because she was a sycophant, and Selfie 99 of Dare Spiegel. Finland may not be in NATO, but Finland attended the NATO summit as a non-member state. Rogan was exceptionally funny because he's the only one that said this. Finn is not part of NATO. His next tweet. Finn is a member of NATO's Partnership for Peace, not, but focusing on the strength of NATO is still an odd choice on things for Trump to focus on at this one public meeting with Finland's head of state. The Finnish president did attend the NATO summit in Brussels. Once again, 14,000 retweets of a lie. 46 retweets of, oh yeah, he was there. Hmm. Thought fake news is bad. Thought we're supposed to delete it. I don't know. Could be me. Stephen Miller, good morning, Rake. Shortly before the start of the Trump-Putin press conference at Finland today, a writer reportedly with The Nation was booted for having a sign that he intended to hold up during the presser. Charlie Spearing, a bit of scuffle in the press briefing room after a reporter for The Nation, The Nation, Katrina Vandenhoven's great magazine on MSDNC, they're brought on to CNN, was holding up a sign protesting nuclear weapons. He was escorted out by Finnish officials. How did CNN politics do it? Did they say, hey, here's a journalist that I just air-quoted with a protest sign that's probably not really good as a journalist? Air quotes, once again. No, no, no. A man is forcibly removed from the room before Trump and Putin hold their joint news conference. A man. Not a journalist. A man. We'll just leave it there. And while this is going on, and I'm just railing about the hypocrisy of what Obama did... And what Trump's blamed for, and the lack of proof therein, Obama's off in South Africa running his soup coolers, and it sounds a little something like this. 
Good morning. Obama fever has certainly gripped Johannesburg. The former U.S. president is extremely popular both here and across much of this continent. He opened a youth center run by his half-sister, and it didn't take much convincing to get Obama onto his feet and dancing. Obama fever! During the Obama fever, you may find big doses of fucking hypocrisy as a side effect. Obama notes utter loss of shame among political leaders when they're caught in a lie and they just double down. ABC News and Politics. Unfortunately, too much of politics today seems to reject the very concept of objective truth. People just make stuff up. We see the utter loss of shame among political leaders when they're caught in a lie and they just double down. Mickey White, the audacity of nope. Noah Rothman, not Rothman. Here are 37 instances we could find in which President Barack Obama or a top administration official said something close to, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. I'm not even going to read it. You know it to be true. That man for eight motherfucking brutal years when something bad broke, and it broke for a day and a half, and then went out of the news cycle with something positive for Democrats, because the media just love them some Obama, what was his answer? Oh, I found out about it in the paper today. That man was the most uneducated president we ever had. He's got the, I mean, this is the comments we've had now that Trump has the NSA, he has the CIA, he's got the FBI, he should know everything. Obama never did. He didn't use any of those agencies. He just said, oh, I read it this morning, found out today, I know nothing, plausible deniability. Then Obama trashes the left's identity politics, but immediately does this. Try to get in there. Here it goes. Uh, exclusionary identity politics chastising his fellow liberals for lumping all members of one race, group, or creed into a single category and refusing to acknowledge that there are legitimate reasons for having political differences. <laughs> what the fuck, Chuck? Obama's speech had some real highlights. He took the left to task, for instance, over their love of shutdown culture. Democracy demands that we're able to also to get inside the reality of people who are different than us. We can understand their view, point of view. Maybe we can change their minds. Maybe they'll change ours. You can't do this if you're just out of hand disregard what your opponents had to say from the start, Obama told the crowd gathered for the annual Nelson Mandela lecture. And you can't do it if you insist that those who aren't like you because they are white or they are male. Somehow, there is no way they can understand what I'm feeling, that somehow they lack standing or speak on certain manners. Kimberly Strassel, yep, for shame. IRS, Benghazi, kind of like lying about health care, Iran, green energy, jobs, Libya, Iraq, spending, Russian taxes, Republicans, President Redline, has thoughts on leader doubling down on lies. I'm glad that you recognize that Al-Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago when we were asked what the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia, not Al-Qaeda. You said Russia, the 1980s. They're calling you back. Then he says, Obama calls for the rich to work on closing the wealth gap. There's only so big a house you can have. He then tried to call Bernie Sanders to discuss more about the evilness of wealth, but didn't know which of his three houses Sanders is at. 
So it took him a minute. <laughs> now, let, let's break it down, Chuck. Obama lives in an $8 million house. Obama made millions. Obama's been out in the fucking Riviera having a good old time. But he's going to stand on a stage and tell you, if you're rich, you're a fucking piece of shit. Obama spent eight years on the bully pulpit saying, if you vote for them, you're going to go in a ditch. A ditch. He dog Christians. Gun owners. You didn't build that. What the fuck? How can you stand and give that speech? How many times in the show I talk about the website? There was no place for me to go. Fat, bald, white dude from a fucking red state. There was no category. Unless I was gay. Unless I was trans. Unless I was black, Chinese, little people. Fuck. His website was the epitome of identity politics. That's how he ruled. We must have talked about a billion times on this show. I know more about the Crusades from President Barack Obama than I know about ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Because every time ISIS or Al-Qaeda blew some shit up with their JVC4, because they're just the scrubs who ended up taking over most of the fucking Middle East, he would talk about how Christians are pieces of fucking shit. I played it on the show. And his henchman, Chuck Schumer, all over Twitter, just search Schumer eating donuts. You're going to see him there. Just guffawing. Yeah, I said guffawing. With platinum or Putin. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Scalise even brings it up. He's no fan of Trump. President Trump went in the meeting with Putin for a position of America's strength to combat Russian aggression. But it's important to remember how Russia was allowed to get to this point. I don't care what your political stripe is. Russia didn't get to where they are because of Donald Trump. ISIS and Russia became who they are because of Barack Obama. Him with the red line, no enforcement. Him not doing shit on the world stage, but saying, we're America, we suck. That's how I see it. I'm sorry. Sorry you feel that way. But that's how I see it. That's what the man said. Right out the gate, he went on the apology tour. America's fucked up. I mean, just be objective for 2.3 seconds, and, and you got to say, okay, what Trump's doing ain't good, but what Obama did was pretty catastrophic. Pretty bad. And because of this, because of the Russia, 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 and getting people so freaked out, I found this normal person. This is just a normal woman, not a blue check, not a reporter. To every woman who threw up on election night, who sobbed on the bathroom floor, who dry heaved trying to imagine how to tell her kids what had happened, who couldn't stop physically shaking, we felt the horror of what was to come. I say this, we knew, we knew. We knew. Big on the left for the threes. You know, Katie Tour, all of them are the threes. I don't, I don't know what it's about. Matthew Tohey. I cried as well. 
It was just devastating. Team Mueller, Garden Angel, that's her thing, Team Mueller. I was laughed at for crying. I was mocked for speaking out. I was chastised for marching. I will not forgive those who still support this monster, and I will not stop resisting. It goes on forever. You described our night. It's all painful angry. My 17-year-old daughter and I clung to each other, and we will never forget the pain and fear. Yes, I managed to get a text out to my sister though my through my shock and tears. Goodbye, USA. And another to my brother. I'm afraid for the USA. Another one. I wore black all week. Another one, I took the next day off because I, th I thought I'd be up late to see Hillary win. Finally fell asleep at 4.30, woke up at 7.30, cried like a baby during her concession speech. Still speechless about it. I had a premonition dream before the election of the horrors to come. It wasn't something I was even thinking about, and I disregard the dream as a fluke. We are living it now. I also knew when they announced Trump the winner of the election that it was rigged. I knew. I cried and cried and cried. My husband thought I'd lost my mind until last night when we watched together as Lawrence announced that Trump was given irrefutable proof that Russia hacked the election. Then I told my hubby that this is what I was crying about, the loss of a great nation. And our last one, I'm a guy. And all these things on election night, my kids were and still are terrified. I'm still so vaconically angry at the voters who put this shit weasel in office. I can barely speak to any of them because we all do. Mm -hmm. And my favorite. I remember the following morning commuting to work. New York, New York City was different. It was similar to the day after 9-11. Shut the fuck. Just shut the fuck up! All of you! All of you! You're our motherfucker of the day. Some you college motherfuckers think y'all run everything. Motherfucker, 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 motherfucker. What? Motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. You owe me some money, motherfucker. You motherfuckers talking about? Motherfucker, I eat everything. I eat the pussy. I eat the butt. I eat every motherfucking thing. Motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. Chew his ass up, motherfucker. Motherfucker, motherfucker. English, motherfucker, 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 motherfucker. We're not gonna store the motherfucker. I'm on the motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. What's changed in America, folks? Before we move on to Facebook, what, what's changed? Are gays still able to get married? Are transgenders being drugged around by trucks? Have black people improved their lives or gone down? Looks like the freaking unemployment rate's gone up a lot. Are there as many black shootings? Say that. Are cops out there killing black people? Are women restricted to their freaking kitchens, a la pregnant and bare, barefoot? I, I don't see it. 
Nothing's changed. This is what we talk about on the show so bad. So fucking tribal. And now we're tribal 3.0. Now I hate the motherfuckers that voted for them. Those people. This is why I didn't want Hillary. Anybody who fucking just paying attention a little bit, you don't have to sit in front of CNN and MSDNC and just fucking suck it in like a sponge. This is their mindset worse than conservatives. They truly believe everybody must think like me, vote like me, believe in my 97 pronoun having fucking craziness. And when they don't get their way, Nazis, end of days, brown shirts, apocalypse. This is so ramped up right now that we spent a week because the president of the United States had a meeting with Putin. Treason is the word. Treason. Because he had a meeting and he didn't say the words you wanted to say. During Obama's tenure, I there was not one time overseas I agreed with what he said, but I didn't think he should be impeached for it, and I didn't think he was committing treason by doing it. I just wasn't. He's the president. Treason's some serious shit. Impeachment has to be for high crimes and misdemeanor. You've had two years, you can't prove shit. Shit. Bannon... Flynn, all that motherfucker. None of that has to do with anything that actually would be linked to the president that he did something. But the media, the Democratic National Committee, has convinced a large slice of this country that Trump, from his ivory tower of one of his hotels, was the hacker. It's him. Him and Putin, as the New York Times show, are butt buddies. And they hacked an election. When if you actually paid attention, Hillary Clinton hacked a primary election. Bernie Sanders got raped. Donna Brazil was part of it. CNN was part of it. Every major par- fucking paper was talking to them to get positive news out. Proofing stories. WikiLeaks showed us what Oz was, and it wasn't Trump. It was Hillary. She was behind the curtain. So I, I just fucking shit on all of you. I shit on Sergeant Barnesen from fucking Platoon today. I shit on all of you. Let's move on to Facebook. Uh, Facebook, uh, BuzzFeed HuffPo object to Daily Caller at Facebook meeting. That was a big thing this week because there was actually hearings. And they're trying to do a news thing. And they freaked out because the Daily Caller is allowed to be at the meeting. Because to them, that's not real media. But HuffPo is. Any objective person, go to HuffPo on a big decision day. I literally saw the earth exploding one day. It was the end of days because of something a conservative did. So you can't say they're objective media. They were brought into the office 
of the fucking press office, excuse me, in the White House by Obama because they're uber liberals. We're going to listen to two sound bites. One's a Facebook hearing, because uh, I wanted to play that today. One guy actually got on it because I do believe, you can say I got a tinfoil hat, uh, social media as we've proven over and over on the show, without a shadow of the doubt, is censoring conservatives and conservatives only. And then we're going to play an immigration soundbite and shift gears into immigration. How about you, Mr. Pickles? Are you prepared to identify any other foreign countries or just here to help the Democrats blast Russia after 70 years of Russia helping Democrats? Well, I'm certainly happy to help the committee and yourself understand our work to defend elections. I understand that, but did you find any other countries besides Russia that inappropriately used Twitter? So we suspend these accounts because they are breaking our rules. I understand that. Did you find any other countries or their agencies inappropriately using Twitter? Well, to echo points of my colleagues, I think our services. So did you find any other countries besides Russia that inappropriately used your Twitter? So I'm happy to follow up on that specific question. But But you did not come prepared to answer any question about any other country but Russia. Is that correct? So I think what's important on the election... You answered the question about Russia. You can't answer about China, yes or no. So we make these decisions based on our rules. <laughs> You're very good at dodging and uh, refusing to answer the question. Uh, let me just say, I think had the uh, key to the solution here when he said that he didn't think they discriminated. But if they did, they have every bit as much right as Fox News and Sinclair... There's the key. They should be just as liable as Fox News and Sinclair. Do these posts violate your terms of service? Uh, Any call for violence violates our terms of service. So why is Milkshakes Against the Republican Party still a live page on your platform? I can't speak. I haven't reviewed this page. I can't speak to why any page is up or not up, Um, but we can certainly follow up with it. So a member of my staff provided these comments to Facebook. And we said, based on our reading of your terms of service, and frankly, based on your testimony today, where you say we are committed to removing content that encourages real-world harm, based on that, this would be a facial violation. But I received back what I've provided to you, and the highlighted portion of, of Facebook's message back to my staff includes, it doesn't go against one of our specific community standards. So do you see the tension between your public testimony today, your terms of service, and then your conduct when you're presented with violent calls to shoot people who are members of my party at baseball practice? Congressman, there's no place for any calls for violence on Facebook. I will certainly follow up after the hearing and make sure that we're addressing um, content you bring to our attention. Linda Quiroz is like many Hispanic women in South Texas. My parents were uh, migrants. She leans Democratic, voted for Hillary Clinton, and disagrees with President Trump on every single issue, except for one, immigration. Yes, that's about it. Ironic, given that she was born in Mexico. But not by choice and lived undocumented in the U.S. for more than two decades, something that could have gotten her deported under the very policies she now supports. In what ways do you support President Trump? Uh, uh, The immigration, you know, what he says that uh, uh, too many people are coming over and uh, 
because uh, like I said a lot of people are, are good people but not everybody too many immigrants are coming over yes yes Quiroz's 29-year-old son, who was born in the U.S., says he feels more connected to his Mexican roots than she does and is no fan of anti-immigrant rhetoric. What I have a problem with is that they have blatantly said that they were using that as a method of deterrence, a deterrent to keep people from coming to this country. This generational divide is not uncommon, according to professor of Mexican-American studies Maritza de la Trinidad. What you're talking about are people who insist that they are American citizens. They are Americans, not Mexican, because they're here now and they have made it. You know, and so now it's time to pull up the ladder and not let anyone else in. Shunning of one's heritage is more common than you might think. According to the Pew Research Center, 11% of Hispanic Americans don't identify as Hispanic or Latino. In the overwhelmingly Hispanic Rio Grande Valley, that hardly makes Linda Quiroz unique. I was proud to be a, a U.S. citizen. And even though Quiroz, now a naturalized citizen, is a strong supporter of Trump's immigration policies, she says that won't be enough for him to earn her vote in 2020. Sorry, Donald Trump. <laughs> Love that soundbite. Talked about it a lot. Said it on the show. People out there in California, listen to me. I land sack of Rush Limbaugh shit. Yeah, no, man. I know a lot of freaking legal immigrants, and they think it's bullshitty da that you can just walk in and stroll and get free everything while they did the right thing. Other immigration news. 50,000 Syrian refugees in Canada, and they don't have a clue where the fuck they are. That open borders doing great. New York Times. He touched me again inside the van and my hands were tied and he started masturbating. Thousands of migrants have said they were sexually abused while in the custody of ICE in the past 10 years. Past 10 years. In the article, Trump's names numerous times. Obama is nowhere. I want to just once again associate all you lefties with a fucking calendar. Majority of the cases they talked about, almost all of them were under Obama's tenure. But once again, we're now researching. We're now going back and finding out pictures from 2014 when Obama was president of kids in cages, overcrowding, treating it horrible, just getting treated horribly, and we're pinning it on Trump until we're caught. And then those retweets of the truth don't get as much traction. So then we had the horror at the border. And we're doing the same thing with Russia right now. We're, no, nobody's being educated by the media actually showing what Democrats said, Democrats did, what Obama did. And this is just another one of those stories. It seems like the New York Times, Washington Post, all the major networks have spent all their time researching to find shit from under Obama to say, oh, this is fucking horrible, and pin it on Trump. Very interesting concept, because I do believe for six of the eight years of Barack Hussein Obama, Bush was at fault for everything. For six years. Now, Obama, the scandalous president, he never had a scandal. He was perfect. Other news, Democrats put up their abolish ICE bullshit, and they didn't even vote for it. 133 Democrats in the House didn't even vote. Keith Ellison went out and said national borders are an injustice. Yeah. 
And then Katie Pavlich brings us some truth of what ICE does. ICE, an agency many Democrats want to abolish, recently conducted a raid in Newark, New Jersey, and arrested dozens of illegal aliens. The overwhelming majority have serious criminal records. ICE targeted illegal aliens who have been incarcerated in the Middlesex County Jail and released into the community by local law enforcement without notice to the federal immigration officials. The aliens arrested at ICE detainers and were not honored. Newark is a sanctuary city. Of those arrested, 78% had prior criminal convictions or pending criminal charges, including aggregated criminal sexual assault, DUI, endangerment in child welfare, battery, theft, burglary, weapon possessions, forgery, domestic violence, disorderly conduct, and illegal entry. I read that because that is what's wrong with sanctuary cities, which are lauded in the press, basically cities ignoring laws, which is against their oaths of office, but this is what happens. Really bad people migrate to those areas and they ignore law and they just get released back into the public to keep doing it. And I, I want you to go back and find a podcast that I haven't talked about. Somebody from MS-13, illegal aliens, somebody really bad getting caught again for the 10th, 11th, 12th time. Find it. So, guns. Gotta do some of this shit. This is from CBS News in 2014, because I found this and I just started fucking laughing. An assault revolver with high-capacity magazine and a revolver were recovered at the scene. An assault revolver with a high-capacity magazine. I didn't know we had assault revolvers. Did they put a bayonet on that motherfucker? How about a chainsaw? Anthony Galimi, video of confrontation between police and Mr. Augustus at 71st and Jeffrey. Police Superintendent N.E.T. Johnson said he released the footage with rare speed to dispel rumors that Augustus was unarmed and to defuse public outrage in Chicago with the shooting had prompted protests and confrontations with police. I have an obligation to the city, to the community, and to these police officers to make sure the city is safe and calm. We can't have another night like that. Before the footage was released today, a narrative was quickly building the cops shot Augustus in, in the back. A agent of Black Lives Matter, a black man, was just shot and killed by CPD, praying for justice for him and his community face-to-face -face with hordes of racist armed police right now. Police only serve and protect wealth and white supremacy. Abolish... Abolition is not an inspirational ideal, but an immediate humanitarian. Moms demand founders, Shannon Watts, took that to the street and peddled it for a week, and she's never rescinded it. And while they're out there and all this is happening, the ACLU, the wide availability of guns and their misuse is leading to restrictions to Americans' freedom, and that needs to be part of the firearm debate. So, once again, that is the American Civil Liberties Union saying you can restrict conservative rights, gun owner rights, but you can't restrict liberal rights. That's that's a neat concept there because 
I don't know how my two ARs, my 9 mil and my 45, that are locked up in a gun safe are restricting anybody's rights right now. But that's how they push it. So that's our fire for effect. We're going to go into music break, come back and tweets of the day. Today's artist is Madison Rising. I got it from the 101st Airborne Division, did a tweet of the Coca-Cola 600, and oh, it was actually Facebook, and showed the Sabolinsky Air Assault School doing fast roping and fries out during the Coca-Cola 600. This song was a backdrop. Never heard of these guys. Usually I'm not into variations of the Star Spangled Banner, but this one kind of caught my fancy, so... Enjoy. See you on the other side. Bye. 
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. the day claude taylor starts us off our first gop billboard is up in indiana star sorry still don't know where but pretty sure it's indiana and it's gop with the kremlin symbol or the ussr old symbol in the center of the o to make it look like they're the soviets pretty amazing that they actually elected a socialist ocasio but they're accusing the GOP. Okay. Lena Dunham, never trust anyone who doesn't regularly fresh French kiss animals. To be clear, this is about letting rescue pets kiss your mouth. Oh, geez. It's only Tuesday. The reason why I'm covering it, it seems that she got a shelter dog, lied about the dog, and took the fucking dog back. And there was nothing wrong with the dog. Said it was aggressive. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck, Chuck? Another tweet. Weinstein lawyers claim actress Judd made sexual deal with disgraced mogul. Defense team insists Judd had struck a deal with Weinstein, allowing him to touch her if she won an Academy Award in one of his films. Weinstein's attorney claimed ex-movie mogul then attempted to live up to his part of the bargain by working to cast Judd in as many roles as possible, including opposite Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, a role for which Minnie Driver ultimately won an Oscar nomination. If true, wouldn't surprise me. Every picture of that lady with him looks like they knew each other carnally. Politico, the Trump administration will start cracking down on calling non-dairy products like soy and almond drinks milk. An almond doesn't lactate, I will confess, says FDA Commissioner Scott Geitlib. Uh, Geitlib, I, I just thought that was really... Uh, uh, <laughs> But our tweet of the day comes from Jeremy Stephen DeLevy and Max Boot, because Max Boot starts it off with, Could you believe that an Obama-era scandal was that the president wore a tan suit or put his feet up on the desk? Oh, to have those days back again, because we had a POTUS who was involved in in decent relationship with Russia, despot, and a porn star. Jeremy Stevens responds like this. It's a better list than I've ever made. Fast and Furious, Benghazi, IRS targeting, ISIS as JV team, Project Cassandra, ignoring Hezbollah drug running, Taliban 5 and Bergdahl, VA waitlist, NSA spying, Clinton email server, Clinton Uranium 1, DOJ wiretapping journos, disastrous Iran deal, but sure, 
the tan suit was the only scandal in eight years. That is a tweet. Oh, the day. Of the day! I want to talk about Donald Trump. You tell me what metric in this country is worse off. Unemployment is lower than it's been in 50 years. Minorities, Hispanics, African Americans have because jobs. Because the president Wait a minute. The GDP under Obama was barely one. We're going up to four. So you, you want to talk about no, hate yeah, crime? I, 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 tell I about fought metric, for a law I, for hate crime. I also you, think it's important, as we said, 89% of the Republican Party still supports him. He still has huge popularity in the country. And if Democrats don't get their you-know-what-together, he's certainly going well, to Here's, here's, my, question you know, wait, here's my question for you. Here's my question for you because Trump you talk about you, you talk about. I am not. Judge. Nobody no, is. I, no, oh, yeah. Did you just point at me? Yes. Listen, I don't have Trump God. derangement. Let me tell you what I have. Okay. I have a lot of. I'm tired of people starting a conversation with Mexicans or liars and rapists. I'm tired of people starting a conversation about this country. Listen. 62 years old, there have been a lot of people in office that I didn't agree with, but I have never, ever seen anything like this. I've never seen anybody whip up such hate. I've never seen anybody be so dismissive. And I, and clearly you don't watch the show, so you don't know that I don't suffer from that. What I suffer from is the inability to figure out how to fix this. That's my issue. But one of the things that you talk about a lot, and I'm curious about it, is the deep state. How long has the deep state been there, and who's running it? Well, the, the, I want to answer your question, because you gave I you had to the, ask oh, you a question. You I, I, your I, opening statement, which was how horrible it is that Donald Trump no, is talking no, about all you, of these I'm people. Sorry, you know Brady, that's what you said. You said, well, but you know you said that when it was okay. should be here end it's, up murdering the children of Americans. You know what's horrible? What's when, horrible when the president of the United States whips up people to beat the hell out of people. Say goodbye. I tell you what, there's a lot of fucking wrong on that damn show. That was The View. Whoopi Goldberg spit on Janine Pirro, screamed, get the fuck out of this building. By the end of it, it was supposed to be spittle. All I know is a breaking, according to sources at ABC, after the taping of The View Thursday, Whoopi Goldberg made the racist comment, I won't sit here and be lectured by Trump's sand N with the I and the double G-E-R. The comment was made to co-host Ann Navarro and overheard by several staff members. There's a big push to get her fired. It'll never happen because she's African-American and ABC doesn't want that fight. The next one is Kimberly Guilfoyle is expected to leave Fox News to take role with pro-Trump super PAC America First. You know my theory on media and politics. It's wrong, but to say the right is the worst, we've already proved on the show. There's so many linkings. I've done a whole fucking segments on how many people were linked to ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and MSDNC with the Obama administration. Cousins, wives, fuck buddies. And all I got to say is Jennifer Palmieri and Chuck Todd's wife. Boom, shut the fuck up. But I cover it because... Here's the answers from tolerant liberals who spend all day telling you 
You're racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, and ableist. The missionary position? Before assuming the role of first son's consort? Well, doesn't that just perfectly illustrate the path from Fox to Trumpville? It's straight up a Trump hard-on. Sloppy seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, and sixths. How many traveled the path before her? Donald Jr. must be laying some good pipe. That woman is straight up a whore. Trump loves whores. Blow jobs for all. That's called fucking your way to the bottom. Yay! Look at those tolerant liberals. That's so nice. Once again, I give a fuck what people say, but when you're running around like fucking holy grail carrying Ten Commandment living by people, and you're the sayer of what people say is wrong, why doesn't that ever make the media? One conservative says something and CNN doxes them, and that shit goes on. Then there was the James Gunn. He deleted over 10,000 pedophile-related tweets last night. This shit is genuinely revolting. Here's some of them. Uh, let me put my glasses on because I left it kind of small. Sorry. Uh, retweet. I like it when little boys touch me in my silly place. That's it. I'm not reading anymore. Jesus Christ. There's, there's thousands of these fucking things. He was fired by Disney. But the flack on the other side was the media said, well, we shouldn't be going after old tweets. He's a good guy. And Patton Oswald said this. The angry at tweets from my hammer-toed followers opened my eyes. Pedophobe shaming hurts us all. I am a proud pedophile. He, he was serious. Yeah. Okay. Mark Lamont Hill, thinking about a sottish occur on her 71st birthday, she wrote the second book that changed my and saved my life. She taught me about the value of power of freedom dreams. She showed me the way. And I just want to make sure Will sums it up for us. Know who gets inspiration from terrorist cop killers? Assholes. Assholes get inspiration from terrorist cop killers. He'll keep his job on CNN. And he loves uh, terrorists. ABC News brings us our next tweet. Moving movement moment. Emotional scene plays out as young man who walked 20 miles to his first day at work is gifted company CEO's personal car as thanks for his dedication to the job. You knew the left came strolling on with the mentions. Robust regional public transportation. Wired the generosity of our benevolent capitalist overlord. You'll only receive the bare social service once you demonstrate your absolute and total devotion to wage labor is essentially GOP orthodoxy. Yeah. And you knew this was coming. God this. Still a struggle to get even well-meaning folks to understand the unique circumstances of black folks and the unique properties of anti-black racism. Boom. There it is. Free cars are racist. Yeah. Okay. Had a soundbite of Maxine Waters. Two protests out there. A uh, white guy was beat the fuck up in front of her headquarters at a Black Lives Matter one. And then they burned a fucking flag during the process outside Maxine Waters. A group of people who had come to protest Oath Keepers, who never showed up, are chanting, Fuck the government. America was never great. Oh, that's nice. That, that's sweet. 
Then you got this douche nozzle, Michelle Wolf. It's popular nowadays to say ICE is bad, but there's no better representation of American values right now than ICE is. And as an equal opportunity employer, accepts all levels of experience and education, from low to very low, and actively welcomes those with diagnosed anger issues. Take it from me, no organization is better than ICE is. So now, the people that stop human trafficking are ISIS. Well, aren't they the JV team? Is that what you people say? So they must not be very good at their job. Talia Levin. Some personal news. I'm delighted to be joining Media Matters next week as a researcher on far-right extremism and the alt-right, part of a brand-new team. I'll be working full-time with some of the smartest, most passionate people in media right now, and I'm psyched. And you're like, who the fuck is Talia Levine? Oh, she's the deuce muncher who fucking called a wounded combat vet, or excuse me, disabled, missing both legs, arm, who worked for ICE and had the Navy Cross awarded to him for his fucking heroism, a fucking Nazi. Yeah. She called him a Nazi because of a tattoo that the Navy Cross looks kind of like some fucking shit from Nazis. And she gets hired by Media Matters. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton's private propaganda machine. Man, if you say one thing about an African American that could be possibly fucking deemed as racist by those that sayeth what we can say, you're fired a la Roseanne, but on the left, you can call an American hero a Nazi and get a cush job. Fantastic. Hypocrisy. Oh, the day begins. Hypocrisy! From South Africa to Europe, the world was presented with two very different visions of American presidents over the last several days. Good morning and welcome to Morning Joe. It's Wednesday, July 18th. Joe and Mika are off today. I'm Willie Geist, alongside NBC News national political reporter Heidi Prisbella, MSNBC contributor Mike Barnacle, professor at Princeton University, and MSNBC contributor Eddie Glaude Jr., former Treasury official and Morning Joe economic analyst Steve Ratner, political writer for the New York Times and MSNBC political analyst Nick Confessori, columnist at the Washington Examiner Kristen Soltis-Anderson, and former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, now the Dean of the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University, and Chief International and Security Diplomacy Analyst for NBC News and MSNBC, retired four-star Navy Admiral James Stavridis. Good morning to you all and welcome. Um, Mike, just your first impressions as you watch that one-minute clip or so of the president yesterday speaking around the 100th birthday celebration for Nelson Mandela and the president making his way across Europe last week. Can we rewrite the Constitution and have another president take over right now? Uh, 
Look, at this is uh, the distortion of in daily life in American politics is beyond the realm. And thankfully, former President Obama pointed out a couple of the realities that we all live under right now. I want you to think of that was Fox News. And Obama got shafted by the media with the 47% video, uh, dog on the roof, Russia's our enemy, binder full of women, Benghazi coverage that was buried. Do you think the GOP could ever get on there and say, uh, yeah, man, man, we need to rewrite the Constitution? Do you think we can? I don't think we could. I don't think anybody who's conservative-leaning could get away with rewriting the Constitution. But that's how MSDNC leads off their day. Because Trump went to Europe. Chuck Todd's our next hypocrisy. It's sad that baseball all-star game is in D.C. and the presidency and White House aren't involved in any meaningful way. Understandable for a million different reasons. Just simply sad how degraded the office appears to many entities right now. We are out of things to criticize Chuck Todd for. You're supposed to be the goddamn guy who's supposed to head up and anchor the best show ever, Meet the Press. And you've degraded the show so bad that most of us can't watch. And your ratings are in the fucking toilet. But today, we... We got CNN. We, we gotta go out to CNN. CNN's gonna be in, they're just circling the fucking drain. We talked about the ratings. But here, you'll hear him calling Americans stupid, saying we should want impeachment like them. They are hyperbole of crystal knock, all in one handy dandy soundbite. I mean, I, I, I say this, and I'm not saying it tongue-in-cheek. How stupid does he think we are? Well, short answer is that he thinks we're very stupid. And uh, in many ways, you can't argue against that. He has gotten away with this ever since he came down that escalator when he announced his presidency. We have seen him time and time again say one thing uh, that is outrageous, that causes anger. Uh, then he turns around and acts like he never said it. Now, the problem that we're facing right now, Aaron, is that he enjoys an 80% approval rating amongst Republicans. Mm -hmm. So... When we're attacking Republicans on Capitol Hill for not doing enough, uh, in many ways, they're flummoxed. They're running scared. They don't know how to deal with Donald Trump. In many ways, he has become a president on his own without any allies, that yeah. the only people that are supporting him right now are those who fear him. The front page of one of President Trump's hometown papers, the New York Daily News, putting it this way. Just look at that image. Open treason. Trump backs enemy Putin over U.S. intel. But is the country there yet? Joining me now, CNN legal analyst, impeachment expert, attorney Ross Garber. Great to see you, Ross. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you. So let's break this down. High crimes and yeah. misdemeanors. Did the president rise to that level yesterday? So, yeah, the constitutional standard for impeachment is treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. And so, uh, you know, the question is, was what he did treason and uh, and treason is actually defined in the constitution it's it's a rare offense in that way it's actually defined and uh, and the definition uh, refers to uh, aiding enemies and so the question is is Russia our enemy and the answer is it may be 
an adversary. It may be uh, a foe. It may even be a competitor, as the president said. Uh, but it's not an enemy. We are not at war with Russia. So technically, no. Uh, there, there was no treason uh, that happened yesterday. You can't make sense of it. It's very hard to possibly analyze. And you're quite correct. The burglars were um, Americans. They worked for the White House. They worked for the committee to reelect the president. They weren't foreign agents. And yet we were burglarized this time by foreign agents. And it's just as serious to me as the Cuban Missile Crisis in terms of an attack or the 9-11 attack. The president is taking the side of the people who attacked us instead of trying to prevent a future attack. He has done nothing to make sure that the elections four months away are going to be safe. And I would say that his performance today will live in infamy as much as the Pearl Harbor attack or Kristallnacht. And it's really a serious issue that we need to deal with. Um, there's, there's no explanation for what could be motivating him, no matter what Russia has on him. If that's the explanation, it can't be as bad as his behavior is today. And I think, as General McLaughlin mentioned, I'd like to see where are the Republican patriots, the men who were like Senators Goldwater and Scott and uh, Rhodes, who came to the White House and said to the president, yeah. we know the facts and you are done. And he resigned. He resigned, announced it the next day, yeah. and was out the day after that. Where That's are... what we need. Oh, but there's more! They reported this. Some nonprofit groups will no longer have to give the IRS the names of donors who give them 5000 or more. The only one they talk about is the National Rifle Association. The Koch brothers are in there. And then they talk about the NAACP. That's it. But they don't talk about Planned Parenthood because, you know, hey, Planned Parenthood, who makes $1.5 billion profit, I I'm sure there's a lot of fucking goddamn donations from the left, but... We're not going to do that. Brian Seltzer was in a jerk fest for Obama overseas. Obama on the protection of independent media. The denial of facts run counter to democracy. It could be its undoing, which is why we have to zealously protect independent media and we have to guard against the tendency for social media to become a platform for disinformation. Somebody tweets back to him. His administration tried to indict journalists, and he went after journalists' phone records. But he's the arbiter of journalism, Brian? But he was on a screed this week. His next tweet. It happened. Press Secretary tried to avoid Haley Jackson's follow-up question by calling on the Hill's Jordan Fabian. But Fabian deferred to Jackson so she could follow up. So many viewers have wanted to see this happen. Unity, and today it did. Yeah, nobody's watching the press briefing except for you douchehead's. Next one, Trump ranting criticism of Helsinki presser. I don't know what the fuss is all about. I think we did extremely well. He defaults to his fake news slur. And there we have it. I told you just a couple weeks ago, the far, far left media believe they're the arbiters of what free speech really is. Every week we find out a new thing that if you're white, you're male, if you're not 
a person of color or an uber liberal that lets you be a person of color if you're white and get away with saying all sorts of crazy shit. Now, fake news is a slur, along with saying the wrong pronouns and saying it's not okay to sexually objectify little kids who think they're transgenders. Gee, thank you. But it, it it sums up what you heard, the few things I talk about, more to come on CNN. Amber Athey, last week's rating, people would literally rather watch screaming babies than whiny CNN anchors. CNN lost primetime to TLC, which airs a show that quintuplets called Outdaughtered. Other TLC shows that beat CNN, My 600-Pound Life, My 90-Day Fiancé. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's there. CNN was able to draw just 851,000 viewers for primetime anchor Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, and Anderson Cooper. TLC's lifestyle and reality shows raked in 980,000 viewers. Yeah. And why? Aaron Burnett. Michael Anton, former Trump NSC spokesman, canceled his appearance on Outfront tonight because he couldn't defend real Donald Trump today. Anton later released this statement, I did cancel because I knew that whatever I said, CNN would try to use me as a cudgel with which to bash the president. He also accused CNN of threatening to cite that withdrawal on air to bash the president, and that's exactly what they did. They then reported a stenographer quit. I quit because I couldn't be proud of where I worked anymore. They did an interview with her live on New Day and asked her about Obama. I was so proud to serve under the Obama administration and I felt like Donald Trump was lying to the American people and also not even trying to lie, like not even trying to tell the truth. A stenographer is now a source of bashing of the president by CNN. During the Helsinki treason incident, as it was talked about on CNN, they spent seven hours, seven hours, calling Trump treasonous, and he should be impeached. And then during Chris Cuomo's failing TV show, he said this. All right, here's my closing argument. This tweet was bad for you, Mr. President. Here it is. The summit with Russia was a great success. Nobody thinks that. Except with the real enemy of the people, the fake news media. This is ugly and it is unoriginal. But most importantly, it is an admission that you hate your country. How so? Here's the case. You know this phrase was an operative threat to murder opposition in the French Revolution, right? You know Khrushchev identified the phrase as part of a campaign to annihilate individuals, literally, who disagreed with the supreme leader. His predecessor, Stalin, used it specifically with artists and thinkers that threatened his narrow views of humanity. Did you know that Mao used it during his murderous campaigns? America... The country you lead was formed in defiance of strong men, bullies, and the idea that might makes right. A free press is a metaphor for what makes America great. So you have now admitted that you are against what we are all about. And the real problem now is for you to convince people that you don't hate 
what makes America truly great. I know in the past you've tried to play that you respect the media and that you know we're important. You know, like you said that when a bunch of us got murdered. But it didn't take long to come back to this. I knew you didn't lower those flags after the Maryland newspaper shooting right away for a reason. Just like you won't really own how Russia did the U.S. dirty in the election. Why? Because you see things through the lens of what is good for you in these matters. So right now, you want people to hate us. But as the old expression goes, you point a finger at someone else, and there are three pointing back at you and a thumb that's kind of nowhere, depending on where you put it. But that's not the point. The point is, to say Putin isn't the enemy, the free press is, doesn't worry me. I know the truth. I've traveled the world, and I know our media is envied, and perhaps the best check against the abuse of power that can lead to a Stalin or a Mao. The real worry should be for you. Do you really think the people will keep a president who hates what their country is all about? Then to kick the horse and shove a plunger up its ass sideways, Brian Seltzer went on and did this. In the world of Trump, plot lines that were once thought to be too outlandish are no longer. I would be very happy if my show became irrelevant as quickly as possible. Bruce Miller is the creator of Hulu's breakout Emmy-winning series, The Handmaid's Tale. Conceived before the election, the chilling show went on to capture the lightning of the current political environment. Our writer's room is very news-aware. Trump pushing out all these hot-button issues brings them to the fore, and they become conversations in the writer's room. Hard to fathom, since The Handmaid's Tale is a dystopian show set in a made-up place called Gilead where women's rights have been stripped under a twisted totalitarian regime. We don't do anything on the show that hasn't happened, isn't happening to women somewhere in the world. It feels like a cautionary tale more than ever. What does it mean for this program to be on now in the Trump age? It has far more meaning and urgency as we see women's rights, particularly women's reproductive rights, under attack yet again. The first time I got chills is when I was watching the footage of the women's march on TV and the women's march on our show, and it looked exactly the same. The family separation issue drives Jill. No, and perhaps even more surreal, a plotline that was eerily reminiscent of Trump's immigration policy. I think viewers can't miss the, the connection. That's why I, f I think they're very disturbed by it. Would Handmaid's Tale become a huge hit if Hillary Clinton were president? It couldn't have the resonance it has now. It couldn't. It just couldn't. I mean, you had people, you know, dressing up like the Handmaid's and walking into Congress. It's just disturbing, and the show is really hitting. Handmaid's Tale. That's a major news network. The fucking left's obsession with Handmaid's Tale and how it relates to the Trump presidency in America. Well, right now we're kidnapping people and we're making them baby factories. I don't remember that happening, but that, that here's my point. Should Trump be bashing the press? No. 
It's over. The election's over. Get back to fucking leading. Shut the fuck up and ignore him. But this is supposed to be objective journalism. When I was a young, wee little private up to about staff sergeant in the United States Army, CNN was the bomb diggity. You know, there wasn't an MSNBC. MSNBC was a fledgling network. Fox was a fledgling network. They weren't the source. You were glued on CNN. And CNN was some stoic motherfucking David Brinkley motherfuckers who went on there and just reported the fucking news. Right now, when everything's Russia, and everything's treason, and everything is breaking news, Trump has fucked a panda! Why do you think your ratings blow ass? You're in a full-fledged war. The news every night is a full-fledged war between you and Trump about a fucking tweet. A tweet. That, that's what you're reporting. And how many times can you get on the TV and say Trump should be impeached for nothing? Trump is un-American for what you believe it to be un-American. How is that news? If you were objective journalist, a real organization, you'd ignore that shit. Or just byline it with the president once again attacked us. We're not going to play in the kiddie pool because we're professional journalists. But you can't be professional journalists. You spend your whole time breaking news on bullshit that you get caught being, it's just straight up bullshit. How many times have we told the smoking gun has been found on Russia in the last two years? There are so many smoking fucking guns, none of them turn out to be true. Shit like this, different networks, same crap. NBC's Hans Nichols, just in, Rod Rosenstein, was summoned to the White House today, four days after he indicted 12 Russian intelligence officers. He was leaving the White House at 11.28, unclear if he met with President Trump, who is still in his residence and hasn't showed up in the West Wing this morning. Two things wrong with that. Number one, he wasn't summoned. He had a pre-meeting. Two, the president hasn't showed up. So you know the president's schedule, which is secret, and nobody has it. They only release shits that you could be at for the press. The press doesn't get the schedule. When did we ever do that for Obama? Even Bush, for Christ's sake. Y'all hated Bush. And then you have the New York Times. Far-right voters in crazy Georgia, but avoid far-left labels for Dems. The blue wave is such an important thing to our media right now, that's all they're reporting. And the New York Times falls for satire website about German politicians and went after a guy who calls himself Trump, but he's the German version of Trump. Yeah, that's kind of like the spicier website that many journos have gone for. But our perfect hypocrisy is this. Karen Toomley from WAPO, the deep state stands between us and the abyss. The deep state. 2017, there's no deep state, you crazy conspiracy theory nuts. 2018, go team deep state. 
If once again Trump's a lying sack of fucking shit and all Trumpers are lying piece of fucking tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists and say there's a deep state, why would a reporter say there's a deep state? If there wasn't a deep state. And after walking, watching Zork, Brennan's Twitter page, even I have to question. It does look like a lot of people in the intelligent community the Washington establishment sure the fuck act like there's a deep state that they believe they can overrot the freaking will of the people and stop people from being president because they've been doing it since 2016. Then we got April Ryan, once again, stoic reporter, press pool, Washington Post, MSDNC analyst. Sources close to Eric Holder, the former Obama admin attorney general, says he's seriously considering throwing his hat in the ring for 2020 presidential bid. Why did I read it that way? She has a fucking exclamation point. She's excited about a Democrat running for president, maybe. But there's no media bias. They, they're not left-leaning at all. It's just in your head, Tony Reid. But the ugly from the press comes in this story. A Secret Service agent suffered a stroke and died while protecting President Donald Trump of Scotland last week. A U.S. Secret Service special agent suffered a severe cerebrovascular incident in Scotland where he was traveling in support of President Trump. It is with great sadness to regret the report that the agent, 19-year Secret Service veteran and dedicated professional of the highest order, passed early this morning in Scotland. At the time of his passing, was surrounded by members of his immediate family and the extended Secret Service family. The agent's name is intentionally being withheld to respect the family's privacy and allow time to complete personal and family notification. These are journalists. Well, this is just a journalist. I only grabbed one, because there was multiple. Alex Pearson. Let me guess. Trump made him taste the food before throwing the FBI and security advisors under the bus. That's a journalist. We mocked the death of a Secret Service agent, because he's bad too. Because he works for Trump. Okay. This is fucking depressing, man. Seriously? Lastly, before we bash the right today, Politico claims Michelle Obama's voter initiative is strictly nonpartisan. The problem with it, the entire board is lefties and leftovers from the Obama administration. So no, normal Americans, as far as you try to push it, Politico, are never going to believe if a Bush a Clinton or an Obama start a voter initiative, it's nonpartisan. That isn't a concept in those people's brains, and it just shows how far Politico has gone down the rabbit hole of we just don't give a fuck about objectivity. We want to be liberals. But as we end, as I said, we're going to bash the right. Neil Cavuto criticized Trump's presser. Once again, he's an opinion guy. That's what he did. But the death threats and terrible things from the right are no different than the left. And I gotta call it out as, you fucking people need to lighten the fuck up.
Jesus Christ, man, what is wrong? We'll listen to that and then go into stats of the day. All right, I think a lot of you are still mad at me, and I got to tell you, I feel vulnerable, especially coming in today after being out yesterday. Let's just say apparently I was not missed. Casey in New Orleans writes, so they finally fired your fat ass. Really? Alexis via Time Warner, the chubby chump's been chucked. Yippee, no more negative Trump bashing from this broadcast fake with the fake hair and the fat neck and the time off to atone for your sins and maybe eat a salad. Hurtful, Alexis, as I told you before, the camera adds 50 pounds. I know a number of people who have met me in person would tell you otherwise, but I don't want you to believe that. TK, the AOL odd Cavuto, out only a day after calling out our president. Mr. Never Trumper is nevermore. Ain't karma something, Tubby? Yeah, because Tubby's still here. So I can imagine some of you are a bit disappointed, but really, all because of this? I know they say you have to keep your friends close and your enemies closer, but that doesn't mean criticize your friends and give your enemies cover. Mr. President, that doesn't mean you need to constantly praise us, but on foreign soil at least, you might consider praising our enemies less. You say you want to drain the swamp, then may I suggest you stop throwing the mud, or at least save it for leaders who are dirty and not those who simply deserve better for having the temerity of pointing it out. Tony in Rochester, New York. So even after the president explains his error, you're still not buying it, Lunkhead? No, I'm not, Tony, because with Vladimir Putin, he was very, very clear. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. You see, that's what struck me. Not one word, uh, all those words, all the fawning. But I guess it was my immediate reaction on FBN, which if you don't get, you, you should demand, that prompted the real bridge. This is the time and the place for the president to look Putin squarely in the eye and said, you will be punished for what you did in 2016 and don't ever think about doing that again. But he didn't. And that's he what did. made it disgusting. That's what made his performance disgusting. I'm sorry, it's just the only way I feel. It's not a right or left thing to me. This is wrong. A U.S. president on foreign soil talking to our biggest enemy or adversary or competitor. I, I don't know how we define them these days. Is essentially letting the guy get away with this and not even, you know, uh, offering a mild, a mild criticism. That, 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 that sets us back a lot. Team via SBC, you know what's disgusting, Kivito? You! Tinder via Yahoo, look up disgusting in the dictionary, and there is a picture of you. I did look it up in the dictionary, Tinder, and there is no such picture. That is fake news. <laughs> Kevin emails, disgusting is watching you talk. Disgusting is watching you live. And by the way, disgusting is watching a guy who's so fat. Here we go again. The only reason some of his viewers stick around is to see him croak on live TV. Really? P.S. This is a shocker. I'm disgusted with you. Oh, really, Kevin? I couldn't tell. Amy via Twitter, how quickly your base turns on you for actually speaking the truth. It's what I deal with, Amy. It's what I deal with. Uh, Judith via Verizon, thank God there are a few honorable and honest people on FBN, but you are not among them. You are disgusting, not President Trump. You know, I thought that was shaping up to be a compliment, a positive email. Apparently not. Clyde via ATT.net, 
Are you on a suicide mission, Fat? So here we go again. <laughs> Who do you think butters all that bread you stacked on your Fox plate? Let me look at it. I have no idea. It's Trump, chump. Now pack up your ringdings and leave, Steve. Well, I see what you're kind of doing here. Uh, uh, unless you're going for the rhyming thing, it's Neil. Then in that case, it's very snide, Clyde. But you, you did hurt my feelings, especially with the jump thing. The fat thing, uh, sadly, I've gotten used to that. I don't know. Omar via MSN, you're a mess to look at, an even bigger mess to hear. You remind me of that character, Fat Bastard in Austin Powers. But he was funny. You're just gross. Well, Omar, then get in my bed. John, love that movie. John in Miami, settle down, Slim. No, you settle down. But thanks for calling me Slim. Carol on Facebook, I used to really like Cavuto, but he's been infected with liberal hysteria, diarrhea of the jawbone, as well as the other end. Oh, I see what you... Nancy writes, Cavuto, you're a never-Trumper, and your commentary proved it beyond a doubt. Stick to business news. In other words, shut up already. You shut up already. Terry writes, thank you, Neil Cavuto, and showing bravery by telling the truth about Trump. It was an amazing common sense. <laughs> I tried. Anyway, Terry in Georgia, Cavuto, you are a disgusting little twerp who's sarcastic, smug, well, know-it-all attitude is an absolute turnoff. My wife tried to tell me some time ago that you were a slimy little weasel, and now I fully agree with her. Whatever I can do to help your marriage, but sorry to hear that. Uh, but do, do, do appreciate the little comment. So that was very big of you. Jim in Florida. Neil, I'm finished with you. No, Jim, I'm finished with you. Ricky Mills, you're an idiot. No wonder I quit watching you. Oh, really? Then how would you know what I just said? Dawn. <laughs> I don't know. That's childish. Dawn in Oregon. Neil, why should anybody believe our intelligence officers or agencies over Vladimir Putin? Because Donald Trump did, and now I think says he does. Alex via Gmail. What the hell do you know about dignity? The fact that you have a network TV show is a testament to the fact that America is run by, well, inferior compromised individuals looking forward to hearing the skeletons in your closet rot in hell. I'm not going to say that. I don't think I'm giving you a Nielsen box just for that. And Brad via uh, Gmail. Neil, you are a big-headed moron, and you, my friend, are a small-minded one. Paul via Gmail. Trump should have been more upfront with Putin. I can uh, see being polite on, on his first official meeting, but he gave away the farm. John in Williamsburg, Virginia. Was the president forceful enough in telling Putin that Russia meddled in our elections and a majority of the media and Americans say no? Well, that's all I'm saying here, guys. I understand the need to be friendly. But as Ronald Reagan has shown, that doesn't mean you still can't be forceful. Anthony in Philadelphia, curious how you love to rant, but you don't love to balance out that rant with guests who might disagree. Well, funny, Anthony, then you must have missed this particular guest on the same show. Do you think the president threw America under the bus? I think we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, is it good to have conversation with your adversaries? Is it good to have open lines of communication with Russia? Na, 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 na. Marcy via Gmail, thank you for bringing in Rand Paul to talk about the Helsinki summit. Senator Paul is a voice of reason. Buddy via SBC, I used to give you a break because of your health issues, cancer, MS, that heart thing, or whatever else God is punishing you with for the moment. <laughs> 
but not now. Now I just want you gone, and if that means dead, so be it. Never Trumpers must never be allowed to infect our world. Sorry, I hope you understand. Well, of course, buddy, you want me dead. I understand. Mikhail emails, Comrade Cavuto, three words. Get over yourself. You're not fair. You're not balanced. You're not handsome. In fact, you're not even passingly human. So save the Trump judgments for those qualified to make them. The only reason I'm not saying more is someone told me you've had a lot of health issues. Oh, really? Some health issues? And... I don't want to be the one responsible for a drug overdose, but that doesn't mean I can't hope, right? I'll keep hoping, Ricardo. I want you to listen to what you just said, because it was a lot more than three words. And speaking of Arlene in Waterbury, Connecticut, writes, keep dreaming about that Trump interview you will never get now, Cavuto. It is so sad to watch a grown man play out his petty differences with the President of the United States, and all because nothing to do with you. The president wants nothing to do with you. Next time, why don't you ask nicely? Well, Arlene, I, I have said it before. I will say it again. People don't believe this, but I have zero, zilch, nada interest in interviewing the president. Now, many have, and they've done a great job. He always makes news with each and every one. I have zero interest in adding my name to the list. I'm pretty sure no one at the White House is losing sleep over this, but it's just how I feel, and I just thought again, I should let you know. Besides, it leaves more time for apparently eating. <laughs> anyway, I am not trying to curry favor or disfavor with anyone. Just reporting the news for everyone, which is my way of saying you're welcome, America, even though some of you are blocking. See you tomorrow. Stats of the day. Illinois governor signs red flag confiscation 72-hour waiting period bill. The problem I have with SB 3256 and HB 2354, there's no verification process. For those that believe in the Second Amendment, it was no difference in the no-fly list. It took There was no arbitration, so you could get off the no-fly list, and there's no arbitration in this. If I get mad at somebody in my family, I could say they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs without any proof, and they're going to come grab their fucking guns. The waiting period, all it changes is a three-day waiting period to 72 hours. So if I went in at 4 o'clock on a Monday, I could get the goddamn gun Thursday morning. Well, now I won't be able to get the gun till Thursday afternoon. That, that's the concept. So it, it seems to be something that liberals can put underneath their pillow and keep them warm at night, but it sure the fuck ain't working in Chicago because there's a lot of people fucking getting killed. CNN brings us a stat, but the problem is it's not an accurate stat. It is actually a liberal poll that says more people want the popular vote over the electoral college listen while you resistance people are out there with your dildos because that's going to be in our lighter fare today uh protest with dildos that that's really going to get america behind your cause um the fact of the matter is getting the constitution amended 
ain't going to happen. If you can't do it for the ERA, why the fuck would you be able to do it for your we always want to win the White House folly? Because that's what you're going after. And with the compounded news of California, San Francisco breaking in almost every sanctuary city, going to let people vote that aren't even residents of the United States of America. America's not going to go for 10,000 fucking people that are illegal deciding votes. It's just not going to happen. Then this crazy shit, Article 2, Section 4, the president is impeached for treason. The vice president and his civil officers shall be removed. Chris Inconis, it's right down your ballpark, angry naval officer, another military person going crazy fucking political He's actually an active Navy officer saying that. The problem is, it does not say that in Article 2, Section 4. It says if they are also implicated. But why have facts we can just make shit up? Just what the fuck with this impeachment shit? Now, I put the the horse behind the cart... And here it is. San Francisco officials are taking the next step after the city voted in 2016 to allow people in the country illegally to vote in school board election. San Francisco begins registration for illegal aliens to vote. Monday, the Department of Election issued voter registration forms for non-citizens who are eligible to vote for members of the San Francisco Board of Education November 6th election. The measure passed in 2016 will close vote of 54% to 46% following two failed previous attempts. San Francisco is the first city in the state to allow non-citizens to vote local elections. It appears SF supports foreign interference in our elections. How is this right, illegals? They're criminals. What about felons? Somebody asked. The NAACP can't like this. In the article, they're pushing to get all state. Then it'll become all federal. Then it'll become fuck it. I'll watch somebody on MSDNC actually stay back in the day. That's how we let people vote. Well, back in the day, we only let landowners vote too in this fucking country. And we sure the fuck don't think that's right. Does my two or three acres of land give me three votes? A scary statistic. Doctors give patients 11 seconds to explain their visit before they interrupt or ignore you. Man, I gotta get some cliff notes on what the fuck's wrong with me when I see the doctor, because that's just not gonna fly. In the, the left has lost their fucking mind, and by the left, the resistance. Actor Mark Duplass apologizes for praising conservative pundit Ben Shapiro. It went a little something like this. He said, for all of you who are liberal, you should follow Ben Shapiro. He's an intelligent individual breaking down a different opinion. That's all he said. By the end of the day, he had to delete the tweet, and then Fox did an article on it, and backed up why Ben Shapiro is a fucking Nazi, even though he's Jewish. And it's just because that tribalism, it's no longer about other opposing views. For the far, far left, and I will say the far right, which is a very fringe group compared to the left nowadays, 
Nobody wants to hear anybody's opinion. They want everybody to adopt their opinion, their beliefs, their norms. And as stated in nauseam on this show, that's not fucking America, folks. It's not how we function. In my talk with Chris and Conus, America used to be, I'm on one side of the street screaming about no abortion. The person's on the other side of the street, abort everything. And we're supposed to be able to respect each other's views. But this election, 2000 where it started, Obama's eight years of everybody other than you is a fucking piece of shit. My God in heaven, we got to get back on the rails because this shit's out of control. I didn't play the Maxine Waters stuff, but that was fucking horrible. Dude was treated like shit by supposedly a group that wants equal rights. Black Lives Matter. They didn't sound equal. They sound like supremacists. They sounded like white supremacists, except they were black supremacists. And unfortunately, that kind of ideology has infiltrated the media down to those fucking Trump voters. We played it. It's fucking scary. So one more Madison Rising song. This one's God Bless America. I do believe it's a freaking cool version. And we're going to go into our news and social media nuggets section. Got some good military corner today. Found some good stuff. So enjoy. Storm clouds gather far across the sea. Let us all swear allegiance to a land that's still free. Let us all. Solemn prayer, God bless America. 
Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese.
Military coroner Army ponders changes after insider attack in Afghanistan. It's truly tell if training or other charge changes must be made in light of an insider attack in Afghanistan that killed one American soldier and wounded two others because there's some uncertainty about whether the assailant was a disgruntled Afghan soldier or an insurgent infiltrator. General Mark Milley, Army Chief of Staff, said Friday that the three soldiers were shot last weekend for protecting members of a new U.S. advisory brigade that deployed to Afghanistan for the first time just five months ago. He said the Army is moving ahead with plans to create a more of the training brigades and use them primarily in Afghanistan, although other locations could be considered in the future and they're going to try to look at how they fix this because the green on blue is not good not good at all to us grunts out there grunts will soon see changes to expert infantryman badge Army officials at Fort Benning, Georgia, are rewriting the requirement infantry soldiers must meet when they test for the expert infantryman's badge, or the EIB. Each year, infantry soldiers who have not earned the distinction badge, consisting of silver musket mounted on a blue field, must go through EIB testing, a series of 30 infantry tasks, ranging from land navigation to completing a 12-mile road march in under three hours. Soon, the testing will feature more up-to-date tasks to reflect the modern battlefield, according to recent Army news releases. Infantry officials recently conducted a modernized EIB pilot with multiple infantry soldiers. Master Sergeant Charles Evans from the Office of the Chief of the Infantry said in the release, their feedback was really essential to rolling out this new standard, making sure it was it was validated, just working out all the kinks and making sure that all the tasks were applicable, realistic, and up-to-date with the latest doctrine. Many of the changes in the manual are designed to standardize options for units and how to conduct the testing, but there will be significant changes to some of the tests themselves. Indirect fire, move under fire, grenades, CPR, and care under fire are all being reworked. I still remember my dig in the EIB. I remember the first time I went for it was uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. The Army sent me there on my second hitch, and I was true blue and double no-goed grenades. All I had was the road marks left. So when I got it in 1993, I was pretty damn proud. And even though I wore my CIB after, of course, I went to combat, CIB, you just got to get, well, somebody in the theater has to be shot at, and you have to be there. So when I was getting shot at in, OA, uh, in Operation Anaconda, motherfuckers in Kafakistan sitting on a perimeter got the same badge. So it's not the same. It used to be, you know, serious. You had to be 24 hours in combat actually in contact but nowadays it's just an award so yeah a funny article for task and purpose things we didn't know from elvis presley to the civil war porn and paul revere the civil war created an unprecedented demand for erotica according to book review in july issue of the journal of military history history a young infantry officer named anthony comstock came home from war and campaigned for laws against shipping porn in the mail Colonel Tom Parker, Elvis Presley manager, was actually born in the Netherlands, came to America as an undocumented alien, then enlisted and deserted from the U.S. Army. Supposedly, Presley never played overseas, aside from a few shows in Canada, for which no passport was then needed, because Parker was afraid to apply for a passport for fear of being nabbed on the desertion wrap. So Colonel Tom Parker was a douchebag. Said too many douchebags today. I'll call cock gobblers. All right, we'll go cock gobblers for the rest of the day. One of the more impressive naval aviators of World War II was well-named Apollo Susek. He had a brother named Zeus, like him, a hotshot Navy pilot. 
The U.S. Navy in 1934 had 5,790 commissioned officers. In 1945, it had 325,000 commissioned officers. Wow. And lastly, when Paul Revere died in 1818, his obituary in the Boston Intelligencer and Weekly Gazette made no mention of his midnight ride. Wow. Well, that's kind of fucked up. I mean, like, wow. Last article, I, you know, I was sitting there with the wife, um, as we all know, that follow the show, I've been on uh, home, you know, I'm freaking home six now, doing the cooking, cleaning, things like that, while I take this break before I go back to work. And I thought about how I've gotten in this rhythm where, you know, on the weekends, make a breakfast, get prepared for dinner, get dinner done, da-da-da. How the fuck could they do it in the military? I mean, it still amazes me. And I found this article. I'm just going to surmise it, all right, really. But it was from West Point and serving the cadets in 10 minutes for breakfast. And it goes a little something like this. 2.15 a.m., the type of tub you could lose a small child in, waist deep, wide as a hockey goal, and filled with pancake batter. There are two of them, each 60 gallons. The evening before, after the dinner shift, two men filled them up. 31 and a half gallons of whole milk, 24 gallons of buttermilk, 180 pounds of eggs, 42 pounds of sugar, 390 pounds of flour, 6 gallons of shortening, and don't forget the salt. Two and a quarter pounds of salt. And six gallons of vanilla extract. It's just after midnight now in the kitchen at West Point. A man named Wally, gray-haired, tucked under his white paper cook's hat, adds 30 pounds of baking powder and must go in closer to cooking time or the battle will ferment. He's methodically and trustworthy. Been working this job for 34 years. He finishes at 2.30, four and a half hours before more than 4,000 cadets, cadets will converge in the mess hall for breakfast. They'll come in all at once... And they'll eat all at once in less than 10 minutes. Wally has a lot of pancakes to cook. 3.30 a.m., the kitchen extends beyond view in every direction, an industrial steel landscape that might be set of a gory horror film. Deep fryers the size of minivans, dunk tanks of boiling waters, mixers with paddles you could use to canoe with. John Fitzsimmons, the food service officer, watches over his team of 16 cooks. 16, that's it. He works at West Point for 30, 24 years, sets the menus, orders all the food. He wears loose-fitting khaki button-down shirts that balloons and scuffs black leather shoes. He's laconic, has a habit of looking down as always in a private thought. Just simply says, we try to break it down to the simplest level. There are advantages to feeding the Army. John knows exactly how much pancake the cadets will eat. He knows how much butter, fat, and salt to use. Army calorie regulations. All recipes are approved by the staff dietitian. There are no surprises, no uninvited guests, just a task. Cook 8,000 pancakes in three hours. Just simple. Those 60-gallon tubs of batter divide into 30-gallon bowls that are placed near the grills. The cooks then dunk and fill one-gallon pitchers, offloading the batter into the half-gallon pitchers, then use the hand-pour each pancake, carefully laying them out in grids of 48 while he works methodically, left to right, first pouring a batch, then starting over at the beginning to flip to serve by 7 o'clock. They put them in warmers. They bring them out. I won't read the rest of the article, but I was just fucking amazed that these people could pull that fucking shit out. That's a shitload of pancakes. So my hat's off to the food service. Yeah, I was a grunt. 
I was a dick. I was kind of arrogant, but it came with being a grunt. But God damn, I could not imagine just now cooking for two and feeding animals. How the fuck I could have done that job? Because when you're done with breakfast, you're starting lunch. When you're done with lunch, you're starting breakfast. And when you're done with breakfast, you're starting breakfast. Or starting finish dinner, you got to get ready for breakfast the next day. Wow. A lot of food. Going to college crazy. And let's start it with a soundbite. National Anthem is racist. Here's why. The holiday known as the 4th of July marks the adoption of the Declaration of Independence by the 13 original American colonies in 1776. The Star Spangled Banner, however, was not considered to be the U.S. National Anthem until 1931. Initially titled The Defense of Fort McHenry, the anthem was written in 1814 by a white dude named Francis Scott Key. In order to understand why the national anthem is so problematic, you gotta know Key's backstory. For starters, Francis Scott Key didn't believe in freedom for all. In fact, he was a slave owner. He thought slaves were an inferior race of people who were untrustworthy and indolent. As district attorney for the city of Washington, he fought to defend slavery, opposing abolitionist cases. It's pretty fair to say dude was a racist. Back to the national anthem. The year was 1814. The U.S. and the British were nearing the end of the War of 1812. He was on a British ship in the Baltimore Harbor negotiating the release of his home. Then on September 13, 1814, the British Navy launched an epic attack on Fort McHenry. It lasted 25 hours. Somehow the military base endured the attack and the next day the American flag was still standing. He was so inspired by the sight of the flag that he wrote the Star Spangled Banner, which started out as a four stanza lyrical poem. But that third stanza is flame and trash. And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion? A home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood hath washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave for the land of the free and the home of the brave. That's Jason Johnson. He's the political editor at The Root and an MSNBC contributor. His article, Star Spangled Bigotry, The Hidden Racist History of the National Anthem, reintroduced this story into the nation's memory. The hirelings were mercenaries, and then the slaves. He was referring to former black slaves who had joined the British. So he's clearly saying, nothing could save you all. The colonial marines were runaway American slaves who fought as sailors and soldiers for the British in return for their freedom. Why was Key hating on them? Francis Scott Key was at the Battle of Bladensburg, and he was a lieutenant at the time uh, for the U.S., and he ran into a battalion of colonial marines. I mean, they snatched his chain. He was beaten soundly. He was never particularly happy about the idea of free black men, but then free black men taking him to the woodshed was more than a Vigo could handle. In other words, the author of the U.S. National Anthem, Francis Scott Key, had a bruised ego because he got his behind whooped on the battlefield. If you break this down sort of line by line, this is his clapback. I'm not surprised by the hypocrisy of this song. The National Anthem, written by a slave-owning white man, condemns valiant black soldiers who were fighting for their own liberation. Anyone who tries to reformat and reboot and reconstitute and play linguistic gymnastics 
and view this stanza as something other than what it was, is trying to put their 2018 attitudes as a way to rationalize and justify what was endemic white supremacy, white nationalism, and bigotry on the part of a man who lived to create what is supposed to be one of the most patriotic songs in American history. Land of the free, home of the brave, God bless America, I guess. Yeah, that isn't that nice. That comes from the University of Cincinnati recently shared a video on its Facebook page claiming that the national anthem is racist. Saul did not respond to inquiries about the post, which cites a long-omitted stanza in Francis Scott Key's status as a slaveholder as evidence of the song's racism, but it has been removed from their page. And I must say, once again... If everything's racist, what the fuck is racist, you moon bats? Researchers say masculinity training ignores human nature. Are you sure? Wow. A recent peer-reviewed study indicates that women prefer men who exhibit chivalry, also known as benevolent sexism. Oh, I didn't know that was what it's called. I thought just opening a door was being nice. But it's benevolent sexism. I guess I'll just say the next time. Excuse my benevolent sexism for just being nice. Suggesting that college masculinity programs may be doing more harm than good. The researchers said their findings indicate that masculinity training programs that encourage men and women to act in identical ways can be damaging form of social engineering. Holy sheep shit, Batman. Does that mean I'm right? That Tony Reid is right? Well, what the fuck do they know? They're just experts because biology professor calls out toxic femininity. Biology professor Heather Hang, who has been in exile since gut- butting heads with the social justice warriors at Evergreen State College, recently pushed back against the notion that men are inherently toxic. Hang argues a criticism of toxic masculinity has reached the point where men are criticized merely for being men, a condition she refers to as toxic femininity. Well, goes together like peanut butter and jelly. OSU expands microaggression course taken by Somali terrorist. It's going to leave that there. That's good that your course has a Somali terrorist in it. Might want to think about that. Students fabricate email to defame university, Liberty says. A former Liberty University student alleged that she was threatened with expulsion due to her friendship with a homosexual student. But school officials claimed she fabricated the email she had cited as proof of the discrimination. The student has since deleted the Facebook post, but when asked whether she had altered the email, she insisted there's no way to alter an email. And here we go down the rabbit hole of all the stuff since Trump. Remember, since Trump, gays are being drugged behind cars, black people are being beaten. Nobody can prove any of it. And when the stories do make mainstream, they do the police do the investigation, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's just to raise crap or to virtual virtue signal on Twitter. Isn't that nice? This is nice too. Nick Loeb's anti-abortion film blocked from filming at iconic New York City spots. Nick Loeb says his controversial film, Roe v. Wade, has been blocked from shooting at iconic New York locations, including the Plaza and the Statue of Liberty, 
but that the film did shoot at St. Patrick's Cathedral. The Hollywood Reporter revealed this month that the under-the-radar anti-abortion movie was filming in New Orleans with a cast including John Voight and cameos by Roger Stone, Tommy Lahren, and Milo Yiannopoulos. There it is. That's why they blocked it. No opposing views. This one made me puke fucking coat hangers. It goes with the gun and Patton Oswalt. TEDx speaker. Pedophilia is an unchangeable orientation. We are not responsible for our feelings. See, once again, gender dysphoria is transgenderism. But we don't want to talk about the mental illness. We want to talk about you're a piece of shit if you don't agree that I can be a girl on Monday and a man on Wednesday. And yeah, I'm a piece of shit because I didn't let my kids take hormone therapies in the crib. Anyway, this article. Controversial artist recently has TEDx talk featuring a German medical student who explained that pedophilia is an unchangeable sexual orientation just like heterosexuality. Oh, really? The student, Miriam Hein, gave the talk at the University of Würzburg in Germany this past May under the title, Why Our Perception of Pedophilia Has to Change. During her talk, Hein said that people need to recognize that pedophilia is a natural force. Anyone could be born a pedophile, she told the audience, citing it as just an unchangeable sexual orientation, just like, for example, heterosexuality. Hein then goes on a different differentia between pedophilia and the sexual attraction to children and child molestation, which she said should never be accepted. The difference between pedophilia and other sexual orientations is living out this sexual orientation will end in disaster. She said quite strangely the student the students then cite studies showing that twenty to thirty percent of all child molesters are pedophiles. On the sheer insanity of the this life site news has more. At times, Hein ideas were confused. She said heterosexuality and pedophilia were both orientations, while saying pedophilia could be heterosexual, homosexual, and bisexual. She intimated that a non-pedophile could sexually abuse a child, but also included within her definition of pedophiles people attracted to lesser extent to adults. No! No, I say! No! Big time no! Bucket to no! You're a fucking sick fuck. What is wrong with you people? Alright, I feel better. Vice writer claims anti-LGBTQ climate to blame for poor LGBTQ health. Once again, let's break it down there, fucking scooter. How the fuck do I know if you're a woman or a guy? Unless you go in the crapper, I don't know what the fuck you are, and I don't care. I'm going to Walmart to get pesticide, milk, and a fucking DVD. That's why I went there. I'm not doing any fucking gender orientation survey as I walk. And I usually don't even look at people. So what climate are you talking about? What climate? Oh, the made-up climate, because the left needs to squeeze out another 0.4% of the population to win elections. So we're pandering to people who don't know what to wear each day because they can't figure out who the fuck they are. And don't even get me started on the military. I read some shit in other guys. Fuck, I am sorry. The transgender shit in the military. No! I never agreed with homosexuals in the military, as in they shouldn't be. Who gives a fuck? I had a machine gunner that was gay as fuck, and he was awesome. He killed a lot of people. I could care, fu- I could care less if he sucked off goats. But if you don't know who you are, how the fuck can you serve? 
But here we go. Transgender woman, a CVS pharmacist in Fountain Hills, denied my hormone prescription. Article goes on from the USA Today how horrible they are, but there was never any proof she didn't. She asked a goddamn question, as pharmacists are. Every time I get my Percocet, Lisinopril for blood pressure, Claritin, and motherfucking Prilosec for my poor little tummy. Have you taken this drug before? Do you know the side effects? That's all it was, but it turned into, you can't question me because you're judging me. No. Then this little gem from NBC News. Oh, how the peacock has gone down the shithole. Julie and Nate Sharp are raising their three-year-old twins using the pronouns they, them, and their to shield them from gender stereotypes. This is a new parenting technique called babies. Yeah. They just made that up. They put babies and they together and called it babies. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Seriously. It's Saul Alinsky 101. Brainwash everybody to believe your bullshit. You win elections. I, no. There's no babies. You guys are gonna, you're, you're going for a future that we're gonna be invaded by goddamn Russians. It's gonna be Red Dawn up in this bitch. Yeah, I just put my tinfoil hat on. Because nobody's gonna fight. They're gonna be wearing skinny jeans and a blouse from JCPenney. God damn. Then my old home, Portland, comes back into view. Fuck Trump, art gallery under fire for ISIS-style Trump beheading. Latest depiction of tolerant, less violent fantasies. An art gallery in Portland is being blasted online for prominently displaying an image of President Donald Trump being decapitated. As part of their Fuck You, Mr. President exhibit held on July 13th, one grand gallery showed art from leftists still suffering Trump derangement syndrome after more than 18 months. One image displayed on a window facing Southeast 10th Avenue depicts a brutal ISIS-style decapitation of Trump. On June 4th, calls to the artist for the exhibit is exemplary of gallantry hatred for the sitting of the U.S. president. How far we've come since our Bernie Sanders show from the fall of 2016, the post reads. Fuck you, Mr. President. They have him with a cloth that's four feet high. Yeah. Okay. You fucking people. The Secret Service won't do shit about it. That, that's the thing. Under Obama, people got fucking hoodwinked for saying anything because they were so afraid that people, America's so racist, we're going to kill the black president, which didn't happen. But with Trump, man, every day somebody's threatening him. There's no way the Secret Service can investigate all this shit. Netflix announces series about Jesus reincarnated as a 12-year-old boy. It's called American Jesus. There's your Obama Netflix. As my wife said, we're canceling that shit. Ohio restaurant cancels Sunday church discount after outrage from secular organization. Story goes, they're in the middle of basically Bible Belt Central. They have like four doggone um, churches around them. And they decided to give this 10% discount for people that came to have breakfast after church. Atheists stumbled across it and said, this is bullshit, freedom of, ch freedom of church and state, yada yada, and 
went fucking crazy and lost their mind. And the guy goes, I'm not even religious. I was just trying to improve my business. That's all I was doing. But he had to yank the shit. So, there you go. Tolerant left. Good for you guys. Sacha Baron Cohn's new show, Tanks and Ratings, only gets 327000 Simultaneously, was caught in Riverside trying to buy a gun under disguise, and the gun owner knew who he was and busted him. That didn't make the media, but if he would have got a film out of buying a fucking Uzi, they would have gone crazy. Six on history, which me and the wife stopped watching when they brought in Olivia Nunn and changed the show completely, and now they're canceled. Decided to have gun control argument in the show. I want you to stop and think about this. This is a show about Navy SEALs and we're pushing gun control. What are the Navy SEALs going to use? Pronouns? What the fuck? Lady Parts Justice League launches pro-abortion comedy tour. Headline just sits on a... Abortion's so funny. It's so comedic. It's the greatest. Let's make jokes about dead babies. Yeah, okay. Then this went bad for him. Planned Parenthood New York decided to put out a video. video. It was titled, Protect Our Freedom to Fuck. Donate to Planned Parenthood of New York City. The video shows one person after another saying fuck. Begins with people using the vulgarity to condemn things they don't like. Then shifts to people cheering their desires to fuck others. Like their local bartender or neighbor. New Yorkers have more sex than the rest of America. Woo! We did it! PPNYC's Facebook introduction proclaims. The video concludes with a woman declaring fuck New York and everyone in it. Followed by a female narrator calling on supporters to protect our right to safety. Fuck whoever the fuck we want. They used fuck 20 times in 45 seconds, and that is so fucking awesome. Look at us! We're cool! What the fuck? <clears throat> Russian warship carrying 100 billion worth of gold found off South Korea. This motherfucker's 113 years old. Everybody and their mother, including David Cameron, are flying over there to get that shit. Yellowstone Volcano latest 100-foot fissure sparks urgent park closure. This one scared the fuck out of me because, you know, hey, I watched 2012. That shit scared me forever. I just wish the volcano would have taken out Woody Harrelson for good, but, you know, what are you going to do? All right, then there's this one. These men were promised anonymous sex. They wound up on a porn porn site instead. So here's this uh, doggone... Craigslist advertisement. These guys are supposed to get anonymous sex. They go in there. They have sex. And it was actually a porn site filming them the whole time. And of course the fallout of their face on a porn movie getting back to their wife is probably not so good. But you know what? You reap what you dick. Okay, that's not a saying. But I just made it up. This one scared the shit out of me. And once again, I guess I didn't give the preface that we're out of college and they're just crazy crazy because this is some crazy fucking shit. Man confesses to using 675 people for sacrifice. Reveals secrets of fake pastors. Yen.com has cited a video of a young man telling a horrible story of how he used 675 people for rituals and literally saying, staying with Satan for 17 years. In the video, the man who looks like someone in his 30s is heard saying that he served in the dark world his entire life. And he posed as a fucking pastor. Mm. 
That's fucking scary. And our last, before we go to lighter fare, all verbal today, no sound bites, sorry. I, I kind of didn't feel like a Matt Best 11X or Ranger Up video. This is pretty freaky. Saharan dust, extreme heat, making for miserable outdoor activities. You're saying, well, Tony, there's always extreme dust in the desert. No, that's Texas. The dust has traveled 5,000 miles from the coast of Africa all the way to Texas. Makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? To our lighter fare! We start off with Last Man Standing. They did a teaser that mocks ABC, which pretty freaking much makes my day because I fucking hate ABC for canceling this show and Roseanne, the only two shows I really watched on ABC. Well, other than the Goldbergs. When the Disney affiliate ABC announced it would be canceling its hit show Last Man Standing despite its consistently strong ratings, fans were left scratching their heads while conservatives were left crying foul. As John Nolte reported at the time, the cancellation made absolutely no sense, leaving one to conclude that ABC canceled the show due to its openly pro-conservative themes and Tim Allen's outspoken conservative views. Well, that's all water under the bridge now. After a long-fought war to give Last Man Standing a new home, the show will return this fall on Fox, and Allen has made sure to address the big elephant in the room straight out the gate, being jilted by ABC. In the teaser trailer, Alan and actress Nancy Travis, who plays his wife Vanessa on the show, warm by an open fire in the great outdoors until suddenly Vanessa abruptly announces, Look at that! Look! It's a fox! Alan promptly asks her to say it again three times. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What is that? He asks. Holding her laugh, Travis replies, A fox! At that moment, Alan smiles at the camera and says, I know, somebody's going to be happy you said that three times. <laughs> Good for him. I'm excited. I like the show. My wife hated it, but I would watch it every Saturday morning because we didn't watch it at night. And uh, it was my start. So it and, you know, freaking the old uh, Joe McHale show, Talk Soup. And they took that off the air, man. I had a void in my life. A literal void. Now this reports are what I've been talking about all fucking day. And it makes me just scratch my head, the few hairs I have left, on what the left's angling towards with some of their protests. The Wall Street bull was covered in dildos by an activist in a Putin mask. Somebody tweets, the left. Why isn't anyone taking what we say about Trump seriously enough to cause any form of change? Also the left, man riding bull covered in dildos. What was your angle on that? Well, What? But our final and best fucking story I have read on this podcast in two years of podcasting. Millennials outraged after baseball team advertises Millennial Night with avocados, participation ribbons, and napping stations. According to one Alabama minor league baseball team, those are the pillars of life for people born between 1980 and the early 2000s. Along with avocados, craft beer, and safe spaces. In an effort to bring younger fans to the ballpark, the Montgomery 
County, or sorry, Montgomery Biscuits, that's their name, the Biscuits, wow, are hosting Millennial Night this weekend, but their advertising on social media, set, social media set off an eruption of mixed feedback from the very group they're trying to attract. The Tampa Bay Days, or excuse me, Tampa Bay Rays AA affiliate, currently with a record of 1511, tweeted last week, want free things without doing much work? Well, you're in luck. Riverwalk Stadium will be Millennial Friday on Saturday, July 21st. With a participation ribbon giveaway just for showing up, napping and selfie stations, along with lots of avocados. <laughs> Vice President of Fan Engagement Mike Murphy told Fox News, This is just one of 70 promotions the Biscuits offer in their home games, ranging from Outdoor Night to Military Wednesdays and Autism Friday Night. This season marks the first full year under new management, and the team is testing out its funny bone. 80% of the people in our front office are millennials, myself included, and we're just having fun with some of the cliches that people point out about millennials, Murphy said. The tweet advertising Millennial Night has since gone viral with nearly 7,000 retweets, 600 comments, and 1,500 favorites. The backlash on Twitter was swift, criticizing the post for its insensitivity and thoughtlessness, which feeds right into the safe spaces, you dolts. One tweet read, as a non-millennial, I think your copy was supposed to read, Riverwalk Stadium will have a condescending promo intended to ensure millennials never visit again, my feelings are hurt. Dallas Goodshaw, 21, said he expected attendance to decline after the advertising. I'm not going to go to it, so it's not... It didn't work on me, he chuckled. More than targeting millennials is sort of targeting old generations who like to make fun of millennials and like to say that millennials don't like working and don't like caring for themselves. Safe spaces. Though, for every angry comment, another appears to fire back in defense. One person tweeted, Bravo, biscuits. You know millennials won't dig it unless it's gluten-free. <laughs> Another Twitter user said, If you're an offended millennial complaining about this, aren't you basically furthering the stereotype? Hashtag think about it. Murphy said the team is sorry if it's advertising offended anybody, but they are standing by the millennial night and would not change anything about their approach. It goes on for a long time, but I tell you what, that's some funny-ass fucking shit. And in our serious after the lighter fare, before we close the show segment, I don't know to say this is a good story or a bad story, but it was a viral story. And the story goes, a young girl went in and started having contractions, and her and her friend went out. Because they're young, they didn't think that probably eating wasn't the best approach when you're going into fucking labor. But she thought her contractions were far enough, so they start, stopped at Chick-fil-A to eat. Somewhere during the meeting, she goes, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And she gave birth to a baby in a Chick-fil-A bathroom. Now, for the record, Chick-fil-A bathrooms are pretty fucking clean. But that's probably not where you should have a baby. The cute part is, once this went viral, Chick-fil-A tweeted out, Little Nugget, Grace, has reportedly earned Chick-fil-A for life and a job when she's old enough and a picture of the baby. So good for Chick-fil-A to do that, but... That is one of those stories where you're like, well, that's it. No, it's not interesting. Well, it isn't. No, it's not interesting because why would you have your baby in a chicken fucker? 
What the hell? So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com you get the show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher make sure you check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com fop podcast.com it's a theme <clears throat> there you see feeds for the show links to our facebook page and email us and a link to every episode on the episode release release page Shooting for a Wednesday podcast, if I can get my calendar to click up, that would be the 25th of July, year of our Lord, 2018. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend, have a safe work week, make sure you disconnect from all of your devices. I once again want to give a shout out to Chris and Conus, great catching up with you, and I hope you finally find a way to listen to this podcast, I'm going to try to condense it and figure out how to email it to you or send you a link to a... Google folders, something, but you know, with most work emails, I know that's hard. They, they don't like any kind of extensions or links in them. So we'll, we'll figure something out. And to my bro, Matt, safe travels, bro. Stay safe out there and send pictures on your trip tonight. I hope I was loud. This was long enough, which is longer than usual on purpose so that you can have a safe journey here in your big bro run his cock trap about crazy shit and lose his mind. Until Wednesday, my friends, as always, thanks for listening, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.